Hello, and welcome to Medium Salt, the podcast that seasons nostalgic about films and pop culture that provides a window into how we've grown as individuals and as a society. And also, you know, a little thing bad, because it's fun and we are salty. I am your co-host, Matt, joined by my good friend and fellow co-host, Kate. On today's episode, we are talking about the 1994 James Cameron film True Lies, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, a film Kate insisted I watch, and I regret that I did. But first, Kate, how are you? I am doing pretty okay. Pretty okay. The only okay part is that I had to watch True Lies again yesterday, so at least you only had to watch it once. At least I only had to watch it once. And never again. Never, ever, ever, (laughs) ever. Ever, ever again. The whole time I was watching this film, Kate, I I kept screaming into the microphone because I was recording while watching it and was just nonstop, you know, Kate, why am I watching this movie? Why did you do this to me? I tried to warn you as much as possible. I don't think I could have been more clear about how terrible this is. The only only thing that makes it more terrible is the fact that so many people actually like it, which we will talk about. So yeah, I was I was going to say people really like this movie. Yeah. So um, I, I think I think a it. certain type of person likes this movie. <laughs> I think I'd be I think you'd be surprised at the the diverse range of people that like this movie. And also, I think I kind of know why. Like it's a it's a revelation I had last night, but I will tell you about it. So first, let me just give you a little bit of background since this is the movie that I picked for us to, to enjoy, as it were. So. True Lies actually made $378 million at the box office. It was a huge movie. It was written by, well, it says written by James Cameron. It's actually based off of a French spy movie. And so James Cameron, basically, it sounds like, took the entire script from this French spy movie. And he didn't even change some of the names. Like the the wife in the spy movie is called Helene. And the wife in True Lies is called Helen, and it sounds like beat for beat, almost the same. So it sounds like James Cameron took this French spy movie, added a bunch of misogyny on top of it, and terrible jokes told by Tom Arnold, and then you have True Lies. And also Arnold Schwarzenegger is in there that, somewhere. So that's uh, what we I, have. I kind of want to watch that French film now. That- right? Yeah. I feel like we should go watch it. I was hoping, at least from the description, that it would be a little bit less problematic than this movie. It sounds just as problematic, but mm. maybe they do it with more nuance or something. Right. I'm not or, sure. Or just it's it's the same movie, just with some extra escargot. You know, just. <laughs> I like that. That's your that's your takeaway from the French people. It's just escargot. <laughs> hey. If anything, that this sort of movie may actually work more in a French culture where their associations and understanding of relationships are different than the like American suburbs, right? Like mm. the French, the French definitely have a looser. Uh, relationship with monogamy not like they i don't know if that's the right way to say that but here it's very anti anti women cheating and that sort of thing and that's one of the themes that we see in this movie so um but yeah like we mentioned before people really liked this movie it was very difficult to actually find criticism that was wide Criticism mainly came from very specific sources, which makes sense because this movie targets very specific people with evil. So, um, so yeah, it was written and directed by James, James Cameron. Interesting fact, 
So James Cameron had a bunch of comedy writers working on the jokes for the movie. He got the jokes and he decided, wow, these jokes are terrible. I'm just going to write all the jokes myself. So of the original jokes that the comedy writers sent him, he only included two. One of which was the you're fired part at the very end Mm. where the torpedo gets shot with the very Muslim coded Mm -hmm. terrorist on it. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're fired. He liked that one. So Mm. I just want us to know that all of the blame for this movie and how terrible it is, I am placing squarely on the shoulders of James Cameron. That, that, you know, I would I would have guessed that if you hadn't told me that Mm -hmm. he basically threw out all the comedy writing. Because everything I, I keep seeing, like it's supposed to be like an action film meets romantic mm-hmm. comedy. I didn't think this this film was funny, but not because it was trying to be funny, right? Like I was laughing at this film, not with this film. There was there were no there was like one or two jokes, maybe, but mostly no. A lot of the, lot of the jokes for me landed really flat, and they were terribly mis- like terribly sexist. All the humor that remains in the film, horribly sexist. Horribly sexist. And the only parts of the film that were funny were the physical humor that was basically just leaning into absurdity. Right? Right. Yeah. What's interesting is uh, apparently when they were originally making the movie, they were really concerned about, um, because the movie involves terrorists smuggling nukes in through, you know, the Florida Keys. So um, they were concerned that they were making it seem too easy to smuggle weapons into the country. So their response to that, according to some online source, I think it was IMDb, was that we're just going to make all the terrorism parts really silly, as silly and funny as we can make them, which is why we have gags like, oh, look, it's a whole truck van full of terrorists teetering on the edge of a bridge and a pelican lands on it and then they all fall to their fiery death. But they're brown, so it doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> Actually, before we get too far into that, why don't we go ahead for the audience and anyone else listening? We can go ahead and do do a quick summary. I, I got the I have the DVD here. Um Excellent. I, I had to get the DVD because the library did not carry Blu-ray. Um that's how popular this this film remains. Classic. But uh yeah, let me go ahead without further ado, read the back of the DVD or True Lies. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Special Agent Harry Tasker, although to his wife Helen, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, he's just a boring computer salesman. When Harry's two lives unexpectedly collide, both he and Helen find themselves in the clutches of international terrorists, fighting to save not only their marriage, but their lives. Directed by James Cameron and crammed with incredible special effects, True Lies is an exhilarating mix of nonstop action and romantic comedy. 1994, color, 141 really long minutes. <laughs> I love that. This movie definitely felt longer than that. Because oh, feel, it feels so long. <laughs> as we will discuss, and I realized last night upon rewatching it. So the first time, it was sort of like a horror ride through a carnival, like where you go into like the tunnel of love and it's really dark and you don't know what's coming around any corner. So my adrenaline was going a lot because I was wondering, how is this movie going to get worse? And it surprised me every time. This, the second time I viewed it, I realized that this movie is Frankenstein's monster. It is just a complete aberration of weird genres of film trying to be shoved together and that don't match. So 
Um, the tagline for this movie is when he said, I do, he never said what he did. So the nineties folks. All right. Oh, nineties. Yeah. This was uh, yeah, this was 1994. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, which was like a banner year for. Yeah. R-rated At the time films, this movie was made, it was the um, most expensive movie that had been made to date. Really? Really? Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Cause also, like this is James Cameron. It should be said that like, this is post. Terminator um, 2? Yeah, this is post-Terminator. It was post two of his really big films. That's a really weird um, thing to go for as a director, right? Like, I'm just going to make mm-hmm. really fucking expensive movies. Yeah. I mean, it works for him. More power to him. And th- that's the thing, though. Like, he is not, in this film, he's not a rookie director, even though every second of it feels like it's, it's like his first film. Yeah. Um, there's just so much of it that doesn't work. Well, and the, the scary thing that I find is that he had so much control over this that this movie feels like this is James Cameron, right? Like the other movies, he was either doing someone else's vision or telling someone else's story. And this movie, he thought he, he found the screenplay and thought, oh, my goodness, this is hilarious. I should rewrite this movie for American audiences. And yeah, but he did this after The Terminator, which is an amazing movie and The Terminator 2. I mean, he has also, like, I think, written Rambo at this point. Yeah. Yep. And it's also post-Aliens. Mm, Aliens, um, so, one like, of the he, best he movies of his, all time. His chops were, like, he had it down. Something, yeah. uh, something happened with this film. I don't know. Um, I almost feel like he lost a bet. But no. Right. He just wanted this. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he wanted to do a movie where Arnold plays a war crime committing, very polite James Bond secret agent who misappropriates government funding for his top-secret proto-homeland security agency to spy on his wife that he suspects is cheating on him, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. Um, He gets her wound up in a terrorist plot, along with his teenage daughter, we'll get into. Mm -hmm. And he saves, I guess he's trying to save his marriage and his, 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 the, the, the world, save the world and his marriage, kind of. I, I we'll get it like you know what <laughs> this movie's one, just one long heavy sigh <laughs> one thing i will say about this film that i really appreciated is jamie lee curtis is amazing yes in this role i'll talk about what i think of jamie lee curtis's acting in this role so i kind of have some notes about each person that kind of worked with this. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I may for a second, just to give us some context about what James Cameron is thinking, according to James Cameron at the time, he was in a relationship with Linda Hamilton, his third wife, and he was about to become a father for the first time. Arnold Schwarzenegger actually brought this movie idea to him. And oh, I'm sorry, it was his fourth wife, not his third oh my wife. God, this explains so much. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like we're, we're getting into James Cameron's head and it gets worse. So at this point, having had three failed marriages, he thought he had enough experience with marriage to do a film about the burden of family life, the burden of family life. Um, He also thought a comedy would be a nice departure from his usually dark and gritty science fiction movies. So when we get to the gritty parts of this movie, we'll see James Cameron's sense of humor Ouch. So that's James Cameron. St- st- stick to the gritty sci-fi, James. <laughs> right. Let other people write the stories, please. 
Okay, so let's see. That was your was that your uh, your summation of the yeah, film? Yeah, it kind of was. I kind of just was able to. You kind of just, just I had in. to get that out. I'm going to do a counter summation of the yeah. film as if it were told from Jamie Lee Curtis's point of view. See that Jamie that would be a mo- good movie though. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, this is the this is the thing that I had to keep doing. So I watched this with a couple of people, and I think I paused it 27 times just to make sure everyone didn't forget the things that had happened before, because that's what the movie wants you to do. So yes, there's so much in this movie. An unsatisfied woman who is in a dead marriage, who's unappreciated by her husband, uh, is approached by someone that she thinks is an international spy, and decides to lean into that excitement of life and agrees to help him with something to save the country. Instead, she finds herself kidnapped and tortured continuously, and eventually discovers that her husband is actually a spy. She helps him thwart an international terrorist plot and then becomes an an international super spy herself. But the arbiter of her torture all along was her husband. Yeah, I was about to say, like, yeah, she decided to do this after she had already found out that her husband had basically been torturing her for the past however many hours. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's it's absurd. So I feel like the film plays it like she deserves it because she gave the dude a blowjob in a car. But she didn't actually give him a blowjob in a car. She was just laying her head in his lap. It just looked like it. I mean, I guess the film leaves that kind of ambiguous, right? It does, yes. I kind of feel like... I think... Okay, well, let's go through the movie beat by beat. Yeah, yeah. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So for people who haven't seen this movie, I would say don't, but maybe you should, just so that you know how bad it can get. Um, So when we enter the movie... It, could, it should be said that the spy aspects of this movie and the special effects are actually pretty good for the time. They built the biggest green screen still to this day for the Harrier jet background that they use frequently. And you can tell that they spend a lot of money on it because they do a lot of stuff with this Harrier jet. It's just all over the place. It vacuums their living room. OK, it doesn't actually, but like it probably should because they spent a shit ton of money on this. So we enter the scene. Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing spy shit. He's at a mansion. It's unclear exactly what spy shit they're doing, right? He has to get some sort of computer file from some computer. He's in a wetsuit. He breaks through ice and then magically takes off his wetsuit and has a perfectly pressed suit underneath, which yes. bothers yes. me <laughs> a I lot. Mean, it's very clear that, that, it's very clear that um, the, 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 the opening tone of the movie is James Bond. Yes, like they this want is... the, they want you to think of Harry Tasker, mm-hmm. um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, as a suave James Bond type, but American with an Austrian accent. Mm-hmm. Also, he does not pull it off at all. Like he is oh, not a no. suave person. No. He does not. He looks schmarmy at best. He's not mm-hmm. suave. It doesn't like every time he tries to get someone to do something, it looks like he's forcing them because the the man is essentially like a giant leg of ham but a person so right. well then also like um yeah they, they start he, at that party right so he that's the film starts out with james bond he he breaks out scuba suit he's mm-hmm. in a tux and he's at this very well-to-do party full of rich evil people presumably heavily guarded as well heavily guarded that he snuck into mm-hmm. by being rude to wage slaves 
Yeah, like the first thing he does in the party is one of the caterers, apparently one of the only people who is smart at this mansion, uh, says, hey, who are you? And then he starts complaining about the caterer's food and snaps at him and then wanders off because apparently the way to convince people you belong is to be really mean. Which, you know, given like maybe with some social engineering, maybe that's that is a good way to go. But like, I don't think he pulled it off very well. But one thing that was great to me that really showed off kind of how ill-fitting Arnold was for this role was the 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 party where he tangos with um the 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 lady her name's Juno Juno yeah. and from what i understand Ar- to Arnold's credit he actually is the one dancing they didn't use a body double is he took true? tango lessons for like a couple months or something 6 6 months 6 months but he still can't tango yeah. He also, cannot tango at all. His goal was to be as good as Al Pacino. And the song that he that he tangos to is oh, the yeah. same song that Al Pacino tangos to. And what yes, is in it? Scent of a Woman. In Scent of a Woman. Por, yeah. por una cabeza, which fucking slaps. It is a great song. Isn't oh my it? Isn't that for a beer? What is cabeza? No, no that's cerveza, cerveza is beer. <laughs> <laughs> for a beer. <laughs> Yeah, for a beer. Yes, that's the best tango uh, song from the 1930s for a beer. I'm just going to retcon that in my mind as that's yeah, the truth. <laughs> that works for me. And then yeah. we can distract people from the fact that neither of us know what a cabeza is. Yes, we are yes. both white and do not speak very good Spanish. Right. But uh, man, if they had made that like the leitmotif of the whole movie, like especially like as takes two to tango, you do the whole tango mm-hmm. thing is like the whole. Oh, man, that would have been so there's so many places this movie could have been good. Right. I kept expecting it. So I kept settling into what I thought this movie was going to be only to be completely disappointed and then trying to settle into it again. So this is just the opening scene. We're suspending our disbelief. We have entered firmly into spy movie logic, which means guns have intimate bullets. People have underwater welders just lying around. Skis Mm -hmm. are very easy to put on because at some Mm -hmm. point he skis away. Um, And so this is okay, right? Like we're, we're settling into this because we're like, all right, you know, I like spy movies and I don't always want them to be realistic. And so he approaches this woman randomly and starts talking to her. It's unclear why, or at least I don't remember exactly why. She's not important yet. No, no, she's not important, but she's, she's, she's played off as like, clearly she's sharper. She's smarter than the average bear. Right. Um, Which is already a sin as a woman. Right. So clearly yeah. she's like the bad she, guy. She, she almost, like she basically almost blows his cover. Yeah. I actually read part of the script for this movie. And in the part where she comes into the, to the uh, frame, it just says, Juno is hot. So, yeah. yeah, this is what we have going for us. <laughs> Juno is hot. But she's hot in a, she's hot in a, an exotic juxtaposition to Helen sort of way, right? Like we're supposed to see her as not white, as weird as that sounds, right? Like she's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. she's not a traditional standard beauty. She's the exotic foreign flower beauty. That's the trope we're working on here. So he approaches Absolutely, her, yeah. but uh, we don't know that Helen exists yet. Oh, this is true. We like don't in this know film, Helen like exists. we don't know Helen exists. We've just been used to Arnold, so we're, we're thinking That's like this a is the really good cute, point. Right? Like the only way we'd know that he's married is if we read the description of the film, which I did. Right. But at this point, he's just a spy and he's yeah. flirting with this woman. And then he executes a terrible tango with her because someone discovers that someone has broken into this uh, compound slash mansion because there's broken ice in the lake. 
and right. animals clearly don't exist. Any ice that's broken has to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I also don't think the hole they made in the ice was big enough to get him through, but I digress. <laughs> well, like, yeah, so... I mean, I think that the most, like, I, I watched this film without reading the back of the box or anything. I watched it completely blind, knowing only what you told me about it, which was like, so- you told me something about, like, you know, a wife cheating and it gets, it's misogynistic and it's bad. So, like, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, like, oh, this is the meet cute. This is where he, he gets together with this lady and, like, romantic things. And then we're going to do, like, a time jump or something. And then, you know, Blah, blah, and then it's going to be like spy versus spy. Like she's a spy too, and he's a spy, and like ah blah blah. And like, but that would be a good movie. That's so much better. But, yeah, and it's interesting like, when I. Go ahead. Sorry. So like so yeah, you you, you don't know about Helen. You just see this. They they get together. Blah blah blah. Stuff goes wrong because this is the action movie prologue. You know, this isn't this story yet. Um, and he he escapes right. Um, and it is at that point that we meet Helen. And I had, I did a double, t- I was just like, what? <laughs> like, here you are, like, hitting on this, 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 this beautiful woman. And, for no reason. Uh, for no reason. He didn't need to. The woman nope. provided no tactical value whatsoever to his situation. And he was married. So immediately, I didn't trust this character at all. Right. It's also worth noting here that if you're going to be an international spy, it's very important that you draw as much attention to yourself as possible. By A, being a fucking enormous man, who they probably can't even make suits for, and B, doing a very elaborate tango on the dance floor while security is at high alert. Definitely oh, draw no. as much attention to yourself as possible. What are you talking yeah. about? Arnold, Arnold just, he blends into the background of every event he attends. He, Seamlessly. He is, he is an everyman. <laughs> Everyone is an Austrian uh, bodybuilder who becomes the governor of California. This is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, um, I was governor for a little while. Yeah, they just they just cycle through them. So it's interesting also that you just completely skipped over Tom Arnold's character in your assessment because he's the it's interesting because throughout the movie, I actually think he's the most honest character. And if you take my assessment that this movie is actually five different movies crammed side by side, he's the same character in all of them. So it's like mm. he's he's a time lord. Like he is the same person visiting all of these different universes. So uh, this is where we meet. I have a lot to say about Tom Arnold's character. Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm so ready to hear this. Go. He's he's the mask off character of this movie. Yes, I see that. And and you almost appreciate him for how honest he is. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the whole movie. I'm hating on 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 Harry Tasker or whatever, Mm -hmm. because like he's he's a hypocrite. He's a jackass. He is selfish. So many things. But like, it's hard for me to hate. Uh, it's Gib- hard for me to, to hate the other. I, I don't even remember the character's name. Yeah, his name's Gibbs. Gibbs. It's hard for me to hate Gibbs because he's he's what you see is what you get with him. Yeah. But he's also the, the source of what I feel like is the most problematic and telling line of the whole movie. Oh, I'm so ready. Um, I'm curious to see what you think is the most problematic and telling line of the whole movie. And then I'll tell you what I think is the most problematic and telling line of the whole movie. But yeah, he's the, so let's, let's widen our lens here and realize what we're supposed to be taking as an audience while watching this movie. We're supposed to be thinking, damn, Arnold Schwarzenegger is amazing. What a cool spy. He just exploded some stuff and 
hit some dogs' heads together, like in a cartoon. Do you remember oh, that yeah. part? Because yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, yeah. that and oh was like, gosh. what the fuck did I just see? <laughs> and he escapes into this van. And then, so the next scene is him in the van with Gibbs. And Gibbs is giving him things for his cover story for his real life. He hands him a gift to give to his daughter. Gibbs hands him, you know, his flight, whatever. And so now we have switched into the family man. So this is a spy who lives in the suburbs. Action, action. But we are still supposed to be on Arnold Schwarzenegger's side. Right? Yeah. Gibbs is the Gibbs is the comic relief. Yes. It's very clear that, like, you know, Arnold's the cool, suave one. And Gibbs is the. um, he's, He's the goofy sidekick. Yep. He's the goofball. So. That's where we are at this point. When he immediately gets home, he climbs into bed with his wife, who is purposefully displayed in as unattractive a position as possible on the bed. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I was going to mention that. They did Jamie Lee Curtis so dirty. Yeah. That, well, like, she's like sprawled across the bed and like, like in this, because this is directly like contrasted with the like exotic Gina. rose of Juno. And so you walk in and like, and, and Jamie Lee Curtis is in a very human position of, you know, sleeping in on a fucking Saturday, right? which is she a sin, her- right? <laughs> How yep. dare you have biological needs as a sex object? It's interesting because like she has her limbs all sprawled. Originally, he lays in the bed and is facing her and then he like turns away and there's almost a look of disappointment on his face. Right. Like, I don't know what he was hoping to get. Like, maybe she would wake up and immediately blow him. But like, she, he he turns and lays on his back and he just looks disappointed. And so that is our first interaction with them together. Which is interesting. The next morning they wake up. (laughs) This is a, this is where it starts to go a little bit off the rails. This is the first sort of red flag for me anyway. His wife and him are having a conversation. She's saying something about some housework that needs to be done, plumbing, I think, and how she was talking to the plumber, and the plumber said it would be $600, and Arnold is clearly not listening to her, and, I'm sorry, not Arnold, Harry, whatever, same difference, Uh, clearly not listening to her, and to underlie this fact, this is what they have Jamie Lee Curtis say. Arnold says, what did you say to the plumber? And Jamie Lee Curtis says, I slept with him. And he said, I would, uh, he said I could get a hundred dollars off. And Harry says, oh, that's nice, honey. And then wanders off about his day. So like, that's a weird interaction, right? It's, it tells us a lot. It's weird. I think, mm-hmm. I think that line in a, in a healthy relationship would totally work because the person would be listening and then like either laugh, would probably laugh. Cause that, that's a funny joke. Like that's something my wife might say if, she caught me not paying attention. It is, but like, I want to, I want to think about the sorts of things that she think was, thinks would get a rise out of him, but that still mm. don't. Right. So she's specifically using sexuality and trading it for money as, which is an interesting foreshadowing for what happens later, but she is using that to try to get a rise out of him and he doesn't see her at all. Right. Yeah. So, he goes into the kitchen and then we begin our interactions with the other member of his family, his daughter, who's played by Eliza Dushku. So. Um, 
Yeah, Eliza Dushku's getting ready for school. She puts on a helmet. For some reason, Gibbs is in his house. Like, I guess they carpool. He's an international right. super spy, but he doesn't know how to drive, I guess. Right. Although they're just like, you know, they, they've got that kind of relationship. You know, that yeah. like home improvement kind of like, I just walk in whenever you want. That like, <laughs> the, it's the 90s, baby. It is the 90s. Uh, there are no front uh, doors in the 90s. Front doors. Your good friends come in through the back door. Oh. And uh, <laughs> you don't lock things and... uh you know, everyone's just good people. Yeah. But, if you're the right color. Yeah. Right. Which um, this, oh man, this film and race is something I shouldn't get into. Oh, but, we are absolutely going to get into it. Uh, yeah. At least a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. From not like, oh. to be clear, we are white people. We do not understand what it feels like to not be white people, but we can empathize or sympathize as much as possible. So. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then Eliza Dushku's character is just like, you know, the typical 90s teenager trope, mm-hmm. right? And she does a good job. Yeah, and for, for the, the small role that mm-hmm. she has in this film, like, it's, it's very, you know, it's functional. Yeah, she's you know, 12 she's, at the time of yeah. this filming. Oh, is she 12? She's 12. But the character's 17. No, the character's 14. 14? Yeah. I thought it was 17. No. Uh, oh, that what? makes the other thing so much worse. Yeah. We're about to get to something real bad. So she's 12. She's playing a 14-year-old. But what is also horrifying, let's go into real life for a second and away from this terrible movie. So she plays a character named Dana, but Eliza Dushku herself recently came out as having been sexually molested by the stunt coordinator for this movie during this movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So she said Joel Kramer, the stunt coordinator for this movie, groomed her, molested her, and then even after that still had to, because she does stunts in this movie. He has to like hook her into harnesses and he's responsible for literally the safety of her life after he molests her. And I think she, she tries to push back. Uh, she gets injured during a stunt. So you, uh, you take that oh, as you want. That's ass. yeah. So <laughs> just for people who think that <sighs> maybe this is a little bit too much of a stretch, but media matters. The things that are represented matter. and. Sexual assault is a real thing. You know, Eliza Dushku was 12 years old, 12 years old. Um, and yeah. So anyway, she's playing a typical 90s teenager, right? Yep. And so she's a little 90s punky. 90s grunge on. Uh, interestingly, I think the relationship or the chemistry between Arnold and his daughter is actually okay at this point. Right. So he comes in and he says, you're about to be late for school. So he knows when she's supposed to be at school. You know, like there's some yeah. sort of parenting going on and then somewhat yeah gibbs when he comes in has like a new a new toy spy toy that is going to become important Mm. later in the movie he sets it on the fireplace and then it's a camera that you can see when you're wearing sunglasses like you can see what the video input is and then he gives the glasses to harry and harry sees um sees dana his daughter steal money from gibbs's jacket so Mm. He's immediately angry um, and tries to go after her. And she gets on the back of a motorcycle, apparently driven by some boy who she knows. Yeah. Coded as boyfriend. Yes. Coded, coded heavily as boyfriend. Never confirmed by Eliza. Mm -hmm. Also, she's supposed to be 14 in this movie, which is still weird, right? Like what 14 year old Mm -hmm. gets on the back of a motorcycle like, how old do you have to be to drive a motorcycle? 18? Well, I mean, the, the, the 
boyfriend could be 16, you know. I just didn't know what how what the age limit was for motorcycle licenses. So yeah, best case the, scenario. It's the, same as, it's the same as a regular driver's license. Is it? Best case scenario, mm-hmm. he's 16, which is not that bad. Or, you know, mm-hmm. older, which is creepier the older it gets. But we don't have mm-hmm. an indication. We don't see him again. Yeah, we don't see him again. Um, which is fair. This is a very functional movie. Every, every character in this film is kind of serves a purpose. Okay. So would you like to go into the next scene, the conversation between Gibbs and yeah. Harry? So this, this is, this is the scene that I had to stop watching and I have audio and maybe I'll splice it in here of me just like, what the fuck? Why am I watching this movie? <laughs> because they start talking about um, it's 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 Gibbs and Harry, and they're talking about Harry's daughter. And the only thing Gibbs is talking about is Harry's daughter's sexual experiences. Yep. Who is 14. Yep. Apparently, I thought 17. Even at 17, I thought it was a problem. At 14, it's yeah. even worse. Also, can we pause for just a second? It's important to note that in this scene, Arnold says, so Gibbs says something about, um, do you, what do you think she's still a virgin? Once again, she's 14. Yeah. Arnold, yep. uh, or Harry rather, um, Harry says, oh, like she, she, of course she is. She's only an, uh, he doesn't know her age. Gibbs steps in and says she's 14. So Gibbs knows his daughter's age better than Harry knows his daughter's G- age. Gibbs, the, the man who is currently obsessed with this girl's sexual activity, knows her mm-hmm. age intimately well. Yep. Bringing up this conversation yep. and expounding for no reason. So please continue. Yep. Do you think she's still a virgin? He talks about how, you know, you know kids these days... They got they got the more experience than we did as kids, which like quick aside. Here's here's my breakdown of this movie. It's boomer humor. The movie, Mm, you know, but like kids bad wife, bad. We've we've got kids bad. We got wife bad. Sex good. We just haven't we haven't got to beer good yet, but I'm sure we'll get there. Um, And then and then Gibbs says, asks Arnold if he thinks his daughter has had an abortion. Oh, no, it's worse. He says she's stealing money to pay for her abortions. It was plural. Right. And also, he didn't even say it as a question, as far as I remember. Right. Or maybe we're right. just remembering it differently. But yeah, she's probably stealing money to pay for her abortions, is what he says. Right. Which is like, that's, that's the line where I stopped. It was just, whoa! Mm-hmm. Hold the... F- Fucking phone. <laughs> Where the fuck did that come from? Right. And, I, I, and, and if you think about this whole movie, right? If you've watched the whole movie, this is 1994. This movie's rated R. And I honestly couldn't tell you why this movie is rated R, except for that line. I think the scene later with Jamie Lee Curtis may have something to do with it. Also, there are a lot of inappropriate things that Bill Paxton says. Yeah, there's yeah, but that's the thing. There's some inappropriate things that Bill Paxton says, but none of them are like really crazy. Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't get like neutering. There's no nudity in the film. the The action is pretty tame. It's good action, but there's no blood. Like there's not crazy amounts of gore in this film. Well, that's true. So like really, well, the only thing 
there's that no I can blood, think but of. there is some very, very like I was noticing a lot of the violence against other characters is very visceral, right? In yeah. a way that I was not expecting for a '90s movie. Like we've leaned into some gritty action in a modern sense, right? Like yeah, the, yeah. Like nowadays, this movie, even with if its issues, would not get an R. But. Yeah, John Wick, super violent and gritty and visceral and showing it on the screen. But there's a scene in this movie where Harry breaks a guy's knees one direction and then does it another direction. Like he does it from yeah. one side and then he does it from the other side. And it's which, like, wow, it's pretty, it's pretty gruesome. But yep. like overall, I think I think overall this film really like as an R, it feels heavy handed. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, I, I posit that it's this line, this abortion. They're talking about abortion and sex, which in the 90s was a huge deal like the 90s was like this resurgence of sexual puritanism mm-hmm. as a resp- as a kind of a gut reaction to the 80s and the and the you know the hippies from before yeah. the 80s obviously <laughs> women's lib women um, are allowed to like sex so. right so like there was this gut reaction sex was bad they're talking about they're talking about abortion they're talking about sex with a 14 mm-hmm. year old girl mm-hmm. and i think that's the reason this movie hit rated r and what's interesting is well they chose to keep it in if that's the case Yes, that's what I'm that's what I was just about to mention. Like they sent this to the ratings board. It came back and like they knew why they got the R rating, right? James Cameron decided that this this these lines were so important and or so funny that they needed to stay in the movie and like they needed to stay in the movie, give it an R and then reduce the target market that this movie could hit. Ouch. Like that blows my mind. Yeah. Especially when you put it in that framing. I hadn't even considered yeah. that in terms of the rating because I don't really like understand. Like he had to decide film. to keep this in. Yeah. Classic. So now we know Tom Arnold's character, somehow the most honest character in the movie. Also, his interest in. So he doesn't have any children. He doesn't like children. One of his lines in the film is actually, uh, it's kids, 30 seconds of joy and a lifetime of burden or something like that. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. 10 seconds of joy, 30 years of misery. That's what Gibbs thinks of kids. But he knows Dana's age and he's clearly very interested in in, and has thought about this child a lot. So they have a a brief interaction in the house. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's a little creepy. It's a romantic comedy. Yeah. It's a romantic comedy, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. James Cameron was quoted as saying, uh, and this cracks me the fuck up, is James Cameron thought of the film as a love story, first and foremost. I just want you to sit with that. There's there's so much love in this movie. Yeah. So much love. If If this is his idea of love, fucking run. Right? Yeah. I mean, four wives at this point. Yeah. At this point, who knows now? I should have looked it up. So, okay. (laughs) So we're in the van. They're just shooting the shit. Uh, Arnold is clearly visibly upset that his daughter stole because he says, Mm -hmm. "Uh, I should have taught her better or she should have known better, something like that. So he he cares about her and the way you're allowed to as a 90s dad where you are the punitive one and you're responsible for your child's moral behavior, essentially. But then they get to work, right? They get to the office. So, um, and then of course they do the traditional spy thing. Oh, the office is hidden in another office and we right. go into this boring door yeah. and yeah, we get, and he, he works for a secret organization, right? Like this is or a secret agency within the government. 
Um, it's not, it's not the CIA. It's not the NSA. It's not the right. FBI. It's a, it's another agency, which like if, if this movie was made today, it would just be Homeland Security. Right. It's, um, it's a generic, it's a g- generic spy movie mm-hmm. doing generic spy g- agency. Anti-terrorism stuff. Yes. Right. And which real quick, anti-terrorism, 1994. So it's pre-2001. This is post-Gulf War. 1994, 9-11 has not happened yet. And it's interesting because James Cameron gets a lot of flack for this movie from the Arab American community. In fact, there was a an Arab American group that called for this movie to be banned. And it was actually banned in 54 Arab and Muslim countries. Because this that. movie, yeah. Uh, oh, it was the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Community, which they actually held a protest at Washington, D.C., against this fucking movie and james cameron's response was well i just wanted someone that looked like a generic terrorist they could have been irish that was his fucking response like i don't care i just wanted someone that was clearly a bad guy and you know brown is easier to see you know if they were irish we would have had to make sure you knew that even though they were white they were still bad oh the 90s yeah Oh my gosh, the 90s. The sweet summer child of the 90s. The white boy summer <laughs> of the 90s. The white boy summer. The mediocre white man Yeah, era. it just went on for a whole decade. But it's still not over. <laughs> well, and what's nuts is like you could tell that he knew it was going to be a problem because he, he definitely put in some characters, very minor characters who had almost no speaking lines, that were like, you know, clearly Middle Eastern, but on the, the good, but they were good guys. They were, they right. were, they worked at the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to call characters. one of them, one of them looked kind of like Zach Braff. So I call them like, <laughs> I call them like Middle Eastern Zach Braff or whatever <laughs> for like the whole time I was watching the movie. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for like, sure. That's, see, cause he's one of the good ones. The good ones. The good yeah. ones. Gotta have the good ones. Right. Not all of them are bad. Some of them right. can be it's, used. Well, it's, it's, it's like that grandpa racism, you know, it's like very mm-hmm. casual, very passive. Mm-hmm. Like your grandpa's not going to go around bad mouthing anybody for their race, but they probably have some private opinions that maybe they should not talk about. That affect their behavior ultimately, whether or not yeah. they realize it, because that's how racism works. Yeah. Like, Just, oh, oh no, gosh. I have black friends, you know, like, okay, right. sure. Yeah, it, it's um, cool to to hate on the, the 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 Middle Eastern people because I've got this one Middle Eastern friend. He's like right here. He's cool. I would also like to point out another instance that I see of racism and sexism. So when they first get to the office, they come in and to have a meeting with their boss. They're in trouble because for some reason Harry Tasker decided that the way to get out of the party that he did not have an escape plan for was to explode something and then run and get shot at a lot and hurt some dogs. Well, and I hear explosions are a really good way to keep an operation clandestine. <laughs> right? No one knows that it happened. Which actually, you know, movie logic, fine. That's okay. It makes sense. He's in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, he planned for it in some sense because he had a trigger and an explosive hidden somewhere. So... Later they say, oh, that wasn't right. part of the plan. And I'm like, clearly it was. He planted Where he's like sneaking around planting C4, mm-hmm. you know? So not only is there Arab American racism depicted in this film, which we will get more into later. When they first walk into the office and they go to meet their boss, a black woman is sitting at the table. And once they get there, 
They dismiss her in a way that I immediately found really condescending. Basically something like, we're done with you now, or something. So there are only mm-hmm. two black women in this film. I don't actually remember Blink, any Blink and you men. miss them. I actually don't remember the character you're yeah. talking about. Like, they dismiss her the way the audience did, because, like, not important. Yeah. So there's two black women in this film. One who was a secretary, or some sort of non-important person in oh, the office. Yes. And the second one was the best friend trope of the black woman. Who yes. was like, get it, girl! That type of black woman. Yes. Well, so. th- there was Helen's friend from the office. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the, best, the best friend. The best friend trope. Uh, who, like, completely... The response, like, basically, if, if this movie was going to pass the Bechdel test, that was the character that was going to allow it to happen. But it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it does not. The Bechdel test, real quick, for, for anyone who doesn't know. Kate, if you want to cover the Bechdel test for us. Mm. It started from a webcomic. It was. It was actually, actually a webcomic. Yeah. So it was the idea that a very, very simple test that movies should be able to pass, but do not is does the movie at any point have two female characters interact and have their interaction not be about a man and some sort of absurdly high number of movies fail. Yeah. Like high and, percentage. And this, this movie is definitely one of them. It fails so hard. So they are talking to not a man about not men. Yeah. So we have Juno, who's a woman in this film. But as far as we see, until Juno and Helen are in the same frame, they don't. Uh, Juno doesn't interact with any other women. Yeah. Yeah. Their, and, their only interaction is the cat fight thing, like the mm-hmm. cat fight trope that has to happen. Of course. Right. You have because to have, you, can't, you can't have our main manly character beat up a woman. So you have the other woman to beat up the woman for you. Exactly. Um, you also have to show them fighting somewhat in proxy for his attention. Mm. And of course, Juno is also talking about him to his wife. So they're yep. still talking about a man. Yes. But I digress. So yes, the black woman that you did not even notice was in the scene for a minute and then really rudely dismissed. And I just yes. wanted to point that out because why? Why was that necessary to be to be put in there? She didn't say anything. She was just sitting there. She was just there. To be dismissed. So. All right. This movie's long. It's going to be, your podcast is going to be longer than yeah, the this, movie. This pilot episode is going to be long. It's, it's two hours and 20 minutes long, and th- nothing of note happens. <laughs> so they're in the it's, office. It, it's like three movies smashed together, and none of the movies actually has time to breathe and be a movie. Mm-hmm. It's very true. So he's there, they get to work. They dismiss the, the, the one of two black characters. Um, and they walk in, they get in trouble with their boss for being reckless. And, um, and, I, and then I guess the scene the next is to set up the next part of the film. Correct. And I can't exactly remember what this transitions into. I know at this point, is this the point where... So right now, Juno is not an important character. Juno is just a yeah. hot woman. Yeah. Harry saw at a party that he danced yes. with because she was hot. Yeah. Now they actually bring her up on the screen and we find out that she's an antiquities dealer who is suspected of doing some sort of smuggling for terrorist groups. So randomly, just by coincidence, she's yeah. important now in the movie. Yes. 
Yes, she's important. And I think after this scene, we we juxtapose like Harry's day at work with Helen's day at work. Right? Is that right? No. He doesn't go yeah. there. He goes to see Juno first, doesn't he? Or no? I think. I think yeah, because he doesn't know after. about Helen yet. Because as soon no, as he no. learns about Helen, he goes off the rails. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, he goes and sees Helen first. No, he goes and sees. Or Juno he goes first. and sees Juno right. first. I'm sorry. So now, because of their interaction at the party, well, with, with uh, another line that makes me so so angry. Yeah, go ahead, do it. No, no, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So he goes to see. Yeah, he goes to see Juno at at Juno's place of right. business, which is in Rome, apparently. So he just right. flies to Rome that day. Yeah, and then back. And then back, which we <laughs> don't ever see. Because there's other interactions that happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to Rome, and um, and she's uh, he's it's in important. his in her like workshop or whatever, looking at all in the cool her, stuff, like office, looking at antiques yeah. or whatever. And then uh, she says, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. Oh. Wait for this just a second, because okay. I have yeah, a." I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So he flies to Rome. Also, the, here's the thing that's missing from this movie. He randomly shows up at her house in rome originally they were in some very cold place i think switzerland or something so they were Mm -hmm. at a party at switzerland the day before now she's at work in rome he flies back to washington dc then flies to rome and they don't discuss the crazy explosion slash violent weird party that they were just at last night right Right. no 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 that part that part of the movie is over yeah, that, that part of the movie's over, and now Let's we are doing it. other things. Yeah, like the first thing you do when you see someone, A, that you've only met once, right. and B, your only connection was the party the night before, you'd be like, damn, what happened? That explosion, maybe, there were dogs. Yeah, maybe to keep your cover even, just be like, man, were you there for that? I Nuts, was on my right? way out when things went crazy. But no, because we are in spy movie logic, so I apologize for interrupting. What does she say? She says she's showing off her workshop. And like, I guess Harry's cover is that he's 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 after something or whatever. He's like, he's a buyer or whatever. So she's showing off her workshop. And I'm going to I'm going to lean away from the mic here for a second, because this line, she says. Do you see anything you like? (laughs) Do you see anything you like? With the implication being quite clear. Yes. Do you see anything you like? Yep. Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yes, you know, this is how women communicate. So. Right. Yeah. Everything is flirtation and innuendo. Yes. I... Always. Especially an accomplished businesswoman who right. runs an international smuggling network. Obviously, like, for some reason, she needs she needs Harry in her life. Right. I mean, she clearly, doesn't know him either. He's just some rando right. she met at a party yesterday. Right. Yeah. Like as far as like, unless she already knows he's a spy, like which she might. I don't know. They don't really establish her her character as being particularly competent or anything. Question so, like, mark. Yeah. Like, who knows? Like, maybe she's maybe she thinks she can get something out of it and she's using sex as a weapon. Like all of those things could be really neat. This film doesn't do that, though. You know? Right. Like, the, the, the film asks its audience to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Or just not, and to be along for the ride, right? Yeah. Like, please only pay attention to one frame at yeah. a time. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. Did we skip over the motorcycle horse chase? I feel like that's after. Is that because after? we actually see the 
evil mastermind. It, it happens right after the scene because immediately oh, okay. what happens is after Harry leaves, he comes in and slaps Juno across the face several times in a very violent way and calls her a bitch, both in Arabic and in English several times. Just to make sure that everyone understands. Yes. Everyone understands. Um, he's, he was, he was he's a, clearly he was like the terrorist mastermind and he's, he's hiding as one of her workers. And so he goes right. in and when they're alone, he takes off that, that costume and becomes a very aggressive man and slaps her around. Right. Well, you can't have a woman be in charge, Kate. Right. That would, that would, that would stretch the imagination. So the box they're putting her in is that she's the villain. She's a smart enough woman and a sexual enough woman to be dangerous and evil, but not smart enough to run things by herself. And her sexuality is a bad thing, right? Like, yes. So that's where we have yeah. for her. Like very femme fatale mm-hmm. kind of thing, but femme, femme fatale, like kind of with a darker twist. Yeah. She exists to be a juxtaposition to Helen at this yes. point. So Who, she gets slapped around. And Helen is Bay. Yes, obviously. Helen is uh, <laughs> So it's also interesting that Jamie Lee Curtis is. So Jamie Lee Curtis is a fucking fox, right? But so far in this movie, they have very successfully made her look very dowdy and housewifey, which I oh, am yeah, impressed by. Yeah. Like she wears and very she, loose she clothing. Plays it well. She does. Well, I would say that it is not her most compelling acting. I think she's bad at acting dumb, which is really a good thing. Like, not dumb. Dumb's not the right word, but no. naive. She's yeah, naive, goofy. Yeah, she doesn't. Right? She doesn't do naive and goofy very well. Yeah, we when we get to the parts where she's actually allowed to act, Jamie Lee Curtis steals the show. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Like, because because pretty soon, like after, uh, I, oh, man, this is so far ahead. First, we have to talk about the motorcycle horse chase. <laughs> so much happening in this movie oh my gosh so guy guy bad slaps her around at mm-hmm. some point some point something happens and we're chasing the guy around the city he's on a motorcycle and he commandeers a horse yeah so harry the, the terrorist is on a motorcycle riding away and harry decides to steal a horse from a police officer by saying, I'm a federal agent, aren't postal workers also federal agents, technically? So anyway, I'm a federal agent, and he doesn't just, like, let the guy get off the <laughs> Stop, horse. Stop, I'm he with f- the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking knocks the man off the horse. The man falls right, yeah. violently off a horse. So, continue. A cab Arnold. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Like, yeah, so uh, just and really the scene should just be summed up as um, bad ADR, which uh, is automatic dialogue replacement. It's when they go in and post and record additional dialogue. Oh, um, there's some replace, bad examples of that in this movie. Re- re- oh, my gosh. It's so bad because they clearly recorded a lot of dialogue after the fact that they just kind of like insert into the film. And in this scene, it gets really, really bad because Arnold's on a horse chasing a guy on a motorcycle. At some point, they, they, they end up in elevators and like going up to the top of a skyscraper. And Arnold is like, and this is to, 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 to just to illustrate that Arnold's character, uh, sorry, Harry, t- to illustrate that Harry is a good guy. He's very polite. Like he's on this horse and he's like, excuse me, pardon me. 
coming mm-hmm. through. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry. And this is all ADR after the fact, like very badly inserted in. It doesn't match the mix of the rest of the scene, whatever. He like squeezes into an elevator full of old, old people. He's like, oh, pardon me. I, I'm sorry. And, um, and it ends with them at the top of the skyscraper. Terrorist motorcycle leaps from one building into a pool on the opposite building. And Arnold tries to give chase on a horse. Um, and this is probably the most entertaining scene of the whole movie. I think you might be right. Because it's because... funny and it's stupid and it's goofy and it's great. Yeah, this is the part that actually demonstrates the ridiculous action scene. Like the fact that even the thought that a horse could fit on one of those elevators. It's clearly not true because they're both riding in the same size elevator and one barely holds to the two people. Oh, wait, there's a third black woman. The woman in the elevator that, um, oh my gosh, what is his name? What's the bad guy's name? Oh, I don't know. He's bad Malik guy. is his name. Yeah. Malik, uh, takes a black woman hostage when he gets on the elevator and she's screaming and he's like holding a knife against her throat and the entire That's elevator right. ride. That's yep. right. So we have a third type of black woman. They're all so black yeah. women. <laughs> what? They're all black women. Yeah. We can't have any black men. It's too threatening. Um, okay. So nineties. <laughs> White, <laughs> you know? <laughs> White boy summer nineties. White boy summer. Did you know that Arnold Schwarzenegger almost died filming that scene? The horse scene. Oh my gosh, that would have been so tragic. Yeah, so he was on the horse, right? But can you and imagine, so this, like, Arnold, you died for this film? Ugh. This so, film. Several people said this is their favorite film that they've ever acted in. Tom Arnold is one of them. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, could, I could see being on set being stupid fun. Right. Um, for, for, like, a middle-aged white guy. Like, you're just dicking around making stupid jokes. You get to play against Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. And you're, um, you're just being the goofy sidekick to Arnold or your ear. I mean, honestly, the, the people doing the heavy lifting on this film are Arnold and Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. who have to do the majority of the stunts. Mm-hmm. Do absolutely crazy, crazy nonsense. Yeah, I get it. Because yeah. <laughs> if you're anyone else on this film, you're just sitting back in a helicopter or whatever, <laughs> saying stupid, goofy lines. Yeah, like this, this to, movie is probably a cakewalk for most of the actors. Waiting to drop this misogynistic joke. Yeah. So Arnold almost oh, dies. Wait till I bring up the abortion. Oh no. <laughs> um. Yeah, he almost falls off the edge of the building because he's yeah. on the horse, and one of the when they're measuring a distance, one of the boom mics or something hits the horse in the face. And the horse starts like freaking out and he has to slide off the horse. But the horse almost like one misstep and the horse and him would have plunged 90 stories to their deaths. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So, fun fact. No, thank you. But it is a fun scene. Also, I would like to point out. If that had happened, we never would have gotten Jingle all the way. (sighs) What a beautiful movie. (laughs) What is the other one where, oh, it is Jingle all the way where he's trying to get that action figure for his kid gotta get right? the turbo man doll <laughs> i would also like to point out at this point in the movie harry tasker has had more genuine conversations with this horse than his wife oh yeah absolutely yeah he talks to the horse after, the, after they failed the to get the bad guy he's like mm-hmm. i can't believe you didn't jump 
Yep. Even during it, right? He's like, please back up horse. Yeah. He talks to the horse respectfully. And as a colleague during this whole scene, he's like, Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh, Harry likes the horse. Stop doing the, the, more than Helen. The the impression. (laughs) I won't tell you what to do. (laughs) So, all right. And he loses the, he loses Malik at the top of this building. Yep. Um, so they, they lose Malik, and then so he, I guess he goes back and he's sad because he, you know, he failed. Blah blah blah. Right. And at this point, I guess he wants to go do lunch with with Helen. Yeah. At some point, she calls, and it gets routed from his office to yes, him wherever he yeah, is. Yeah. I don't really remember. I think it was the during the action though. sequence, like as part of like comedic relief. You know, mm. like he's chasing. He's like, "Oh, hi, darling." I said I was going to stop, but I can't stop. Oh, this is the part where they establish it's its birthday randomly. Oh, right. And he needs to be right? home by a certain time. Yes. So Helen calls him at the office, which is, of course, a secret spy agency. And right. they direct the call to wherever Harry's supposed to be. Yep. And, and, and Helen thinks that he's like a computer salesman or something boring. Yes. Something like this, very this boring. Yeah. And the only thing, actually, the only conversation Arnold's really had with her. It's interesting. He doesn't even have this conversation, the conversation about his daughter stealing. Cause I think she's still yeah. in the house. Yeah. He just leaves. Uh, the only conversation he's had with her was fake talking about the conference and some sort of fake, like inventory software or something they're selling. Right. Yeah. He, he gets so excited about inventory software. I think that's like a line in the movie. Like, Oh, I can't, I, I, I'm just so excited about international sales. Yeah. We love computer stuff. <laughs> Computer yeah, stuff he gets actually, me so excited. He sells it better than he sells actually caring about his wife. So, yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, so his wife calls him and says, hey, I need you to promise me you'll be home at eight. We've worked really hard for this uh, and I don't want to be alone. I don't want you to forget and be late like last year. And he promises her, yes, I will definitely be there. The scene that she's in somehow, and I don't know how the timing of this works because she's at home making a cake. And for some reason, there's two cakes because right. Eliza Dushku's character, Dana, is also making a cake. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, you watched this more recently than I have. Like, you yes. watched this movie last night. Uh, I, I watched this movie last week. Yes. Um, so and, I'm filling in all these nice details. And still fuzzy on some of the details. Yeah. Uh, because there's just a lot that goes on. Yep. And, and none of it's important. <laughs> yep. None of it's important. Um, so, yeah. So he misses, he misses his birthday dinner. So he's in the doghouse with Helen. Right. He gets home. So, Helen is sitting yeah. in the dark in the dining room. There's balloons around. There's a cake with a dramatic number of candles on it. Just the idea that she's been sitting there waiting for hours and she didn't like go right. in the living room and watch Netflix or whatever is right. already like she's sitting there just stewing. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a healthy marriage right there. Oh, Absolutely. So, uh, oh, actually, I think he gets that call before he even goes to see Juno and does the flirty thing. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He knows about his dinner and then he goes and does secret agent stuff and misses the dinner. Um, but next, they... oh, I'm actually reading the script. Yeah. And it's interesting. There's a lot more lines that Juno gets about the actual like antiques that she loves. And she gets a much more in-depth character. And she talks about people in the past. 
And mm-hmm. she and Harry kiss a lot, apparently. Oh, they kiss. Yeah. Because right now. I don't remember that in the film. No. In the movie, they don't kiss. Um, yeah. And so apparently they're actually supposed to, supposedly, according to the script, be kissing when Gibbs interrupts him and says, hey, you got to get home. Uh, right. And then he leaves. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I guess that didn't make it in the movie because we couldn't have the, our hero be a bad person. It's interesting how they try to make you be on his side, but the tone shifts a lot during this movie. Yes. Yes. Like the the language of the film is definitely that you should be on Harry's side. But as as is going to become apparent very soon, (laughs) the only way that you can do that is if you're like the world's biggest asshole. Yeah, if you were a fucking psychopath. Yeah, because like, Harry Harry goes into psychopath mode. Yeah, which we will get into. So oh, yeah, now we need to get to. We need to get. We to. do. There's some more spy stuff. I'm gonna just start to kind of skip over the spy stuff because yeah. the spy parts of this movie are not the most problematic. No, they're not problematic, and they're really inconsequential. Yeah, like they're really by the numbers, like kind of spy stuff that do- right. it's not actually important. Like you. You could get away with just doing the first spy scene and the end in act three of the movie. And that would yeah. be all the spy stuff you needed for the story to make sense. If you edited this movie, you could edit this movie to be a spy movie, a horror movie, or a love movie. No, right. I don't even think it no, could you actually can't, be not successfully edited to be a love movie. There's, there's not enough material there. Like, I don't even buy the ending, but we'll get we'll get into that. Uh, all right, so he has gotten home. Yeah. Right. Oh, there's more there's more alliance for his daughter and his wife, and between his daughter and his wife, who we haven't really actually seen speak to each other uh in this oh, film. Yeah, yet. I forgot about that scene. So they don't have an established relationship really. Yeah, no, I mean no, kind not of really. like the daughter is very forgettable. Like she's kind of in the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie, and you can really Almost by design, I think, forget that she exists yeah. because there's the twist in the act three that like, oh, now she's kidnapped. But we'll get to that. Uh, don't you remember you have a daughter that you haven't yeah, seen remember in several you days? Have a daughter that, <laughs> and so we can extend act three for another 20 fuck off minutes. Right. Um, okay. And then we have the bathroom. Yeah, we have the bathroom fight scene, which is absurd yeah. and oh, very the bathroom violent. Fight scene. Yeah. Yes. Um. Uh, which of course, of course, you have to have the moment in the bathroom fight scene where like the bad guy ends up with his head dunked in the urinal. Yes, and then he flushes the toilet and says <laughs> because because you gotta. Yeah, and he says, "Cool off." That's his yeah, joke. Cool off. Cool off. I bet that was the other joke that James Cameron included from the right. writers because it's right, the one line about the same as "You're fired." That's yeah. at the same echelon. Oh, of absolutely. I, I think what this film was trying to be, right? This is 1994. I think this film was like the proto Michael Bay. Mm. Right? Like this was a Michael Bay film, but Michael Bay wasn't there to direct it because he was still doing music videos or some shit. Um, Because Michael Bay came out in 1995 with Mm -hmm. Bad Boys. That was his first film. Um, And before that, he was doing commercials and and he did like Mm -hmm. the Got Milk campaign or something. Um, But Bad Boys came out in 95. And I feel like this film... Like, under Michael Bay's helm would have been at least a little bit more competent of a film. But, right. like, I feel like this is the proto-Michael Bay film. This is... Yeah. What's interesting with, is... like, terrible misogyny, big VFX, big action, and really stupid jokes. 
<laughs> check, check, check. And I say that as somebody who really, like, I shouldn't say this because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. <laughs> but like, next? I remember really liking Bad Boys 2. You know? Um, my favorite part about Bad Boys 2 is how important a role it plays in the movie. Um, oh my gosh, how can I possibly forget the name of this movie? Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It plays a prominent role in Hot Fuzz, and I love that. Yeah. Bad Boys 2 is not bad. Yeah, I feel like this film is the predecessor to all those Michael Bay films, the Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, you know, tran even Transformers. There's like DNA <laughs> of this film in all of those films. It's yeah. just all those films did it way better. Yeah. For all the money that was spent on this movie. Oh, my God. I hope that they yeah. save some for therapy. Yeah. But... So what's interesting, too, talking about how this movie influenced other films is supposedly Mr. and Miss Smith is inspired by this film. Oh, like I could they see that. To do I could absolutely yeah. see that. Mr. and Mrs. Smith is the better version of this movie. Yeah. And so what's interesting is when I started watching this movie for a very long time, it took I was so convinced that Jamie Lee Curtis was actually a spy. And I kept waiting. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, that that's the only. Twist. That's the only way that this movie would be almost okay. Almost. She yeah. was actually as cool all along, right? Right. Which they try so to sell like, at the end of the movie, but I don't buy. Yeah. So in Mr. and Miss Smith, you have two people who actually love each other and don't really know how to connect and also maintain their careers. And it's different, right? Like they mutually respect each other. Brad Smith's character loves angelina jolie it's very clear in the movie there was passion they want to save their relationship and it, the chemistry is believable in this movie it's a shit show like there's no relationship here to save except for the artifacts of one that they convince us exist because of a film score so mm. but we will get there <laughs> ultimately he fi he goes he's in trouble Mm -hmm. with his wife oh it was the bathroom scene the bathroom, bathroom fight, fight scene, scene happens, whatever uh yeah terrorists find him in the bathroom yeah. or they're following him or some shit but he beats them all up there's a dude in the bathroom stall who magically doesn't get shot by any of the assault rifles and comes out with his pants down because that's funny because right. funny and, joke <laughs> um yes funny yeah. joke and then they he decides oh. that he's gonna surprise his wife and go do a lunch thing Right. This is actually right. where the horse chase scene happens. Right here. Oh, is this where it happens? Yeah, apparently. I thought like anyway. Whatever. So he goes at some to have point, lunch with his wife. He feels bad because he yeah. was late for his birthday. And so his solution is going to be, I'm going to go take my wife to a mediocre lunch at Applebee's. And right. um, he shows up to her office. And as he's walking up to her cubicle, she gets a phone call that is being transferred to her by the third black woman in this movie. Her friend who's like "Ooh, it's a call for you it's simon it's, it's, it's black lady best friend black lady best friend it's simon and so she gets visibly excited and she goes to answer the phone and she speaks in hushed tones and it's clear that they're making plans to meet somewhere right now yep harry overhears this yeah he overhears any any heights so mm -hmm. he can keep listening yes this mountain of a healthy. man Hides behind a five foot cubicle wall. Right. No one notices him clearly. Yep. And hey, listen, eavesdropping on your wife. Um, and, and not communicating. 
It's foundation. It's super, super healthy. Foundation of any good marriage. Very healthy. Yep. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the 1990s version of checking someone's phone while they're sleeping. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So Helen goes off, takes her purse, leaves, and we don't actually see what she does. She's just not there. Now everything focuses on Harry. That Helen has done her job so far. Yeah. Harry and turns, Harry goes psycho. Yeah. Harry turns into a raging psychopath. Everything about this movie shifts tone. The yeah. lighting, if you notice, if you go back and rewatch, the lighting that is on Harry's character is always harsh and blue. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. And the lighting that is on other people is warm. And his expressions are horrifying. So right. the first thing he does is he goes out and he talks to Gibbs in the van and he he looks visibly shaken and quiet. And as an audience, we are supposed to believe that he's really heartbroken that his wife is cheating on him. But my interpretation was more like someone's bike got stolen, like their favorite bike. And they're like, ah, my bike was stolen. I'm so upset. Um, <laughs> because it doesn't, it doesn't resonate as, oh, I yeah. actually care about this person. Yeah. So he goes, no, like it, it feels like, like it was a transgression done upon him personally. Correct. Instead of like, instead of a personal failing or, mm-hmm. or anything else, it was, it was like something was done to him. Correct. And I just, the thing that really gets me about that is like, I don't know if the movie wants us to, to like, it feels on, on one hand, it does feel like we're supposed to think Harry's gone off the deep end with this. Like he's gone a little nuts, but on the other hand, like, you know, 20 minutes later or whatever, we're supposed to forgive him entirely. Yeah. I think we're supposed all to the feel crazy like stuff that's about to happen. <laughs> I think we're supposed to feel like his actions are justified. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We're supposed to feel like his abs- actions are justified. But, but they're, they're not. not. <laughs> they're not. They are they're, not in any they're way. Not. They're not. They not are not. Not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but he has not quite gone off the rails yet. He walks across yeah. traffic. He almost gets hit by a bus. He's so devastated. He gets into the van or he's standing near Gib and tells Gib Helen's having an affair. And Gib's first response is, welcome to the club. Right, so, yeah, like, like clearly, like, yeah, Gibbs has a very high opinion of women. Yeah, obviously, and this is an interesting thing because Gibb is meant to be a juxtaposition against Harry the same way, essentially, right? So, uh, yeah, well, I mean, Gibb in a lot has, of ways, Gibbs, I feel like, is like the self-insert. He's like mm-hmm. the Mary Sue, which makes like everything about James Cameron so much cringier, be much worse. Well, you know, he's oh, a family gosh. man, so yeah, yeah. So, Gib, the things that he says about marriage are horrible. The character itself himself has been married three times in the film, and he's talking about his second wife. And at one point, he says that bitch even that bitch cleaned out the entire house. She even took the ice cube trays. Who takes oh, right. the That's who takes the ice cube trays from this film? Yeah. Like, what kind fun, of bitch takes the ice cube trays? Yeah. Fun fact, <laughs> that line was put into this movie because Tom Arnold was divor- divorcing from Roseanne Barr and Roseanne Barr took his ice cube trays. And James Cameron overheard Tom Arnold telling that story and thought it was hilarious and put it in this movie. 
What kind of bitch steals the ice cube trays? Yeah, we haven't even really talked about how often the word bitch is used to describe girls and women in this movie. Oh, I can't even. It's just yeah, so... Like, this film is we should so have 90s, a count. I don't know. <laughs> so many. So, definitely Juno is described as a bitch at least twice. Actually, mm-hmm. no, four times because Malik calls her a bitch twice in English, once in Arabic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she's called a bitch by Gib when they first, when at the at the very first scene, he says, "Ditch the bitch." Because, yes, you know, yes, yes, rhyming yes. is hilarious. And right. anyway, the point I is, mean, I it find is used it funny. It like, is used you liberally. See me with the Shel Silverstein book, I am on the floor. <laughs> I mean, Shel Silverstein is his own set of issues, but yes. I'll, let alone his creepy, creepy picture at the back of all of his books. <gasps> yeah. Anyway, that's a different podcast. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's a different talk. Maybe we, we you know, we expand beyond <laughs> films. We start talking about children's poets. So now he's a devastated man, almost gets hit by a bus. Gib is no help at all. He's basically saying, you know, well, and Gib says the only real line in the whole film at this point, which is Helen is a flesh and blood woman, and you're never around. What were you expecting? Which right. is a very message, insightful. A message which is not in any of the rest of the film. No. Right? Like, at no point does the rest of this film treat Helen as a human being. No. Everything about how they treat Helen is... It's basically in service to her relationship with Arnold. Yeah. She is a possession. Yeah. Absolutely. She's a pub- possession. She is condescending. Like, everything about it is condescending and is. awful. She has no agency at this point. Yeah. So it's very patronizing. It is. It's ah, uh, I can't even. But it's okay because we're still we're we're going down the descent to hell now. Right. We are, yeah. We this are is here. when the movie really goes off the rails yeah. and becomes unforgivable. <laughs> Before this, it was just '90s bad. After this, it's its own kind of bad. Yeah. So I, feel like, I think if we we're going to do this next section scene by scene, it would be its own series of podcasts. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we'll try to speed it up a little. Yeah. If possible. It's just so bad. I'm it's sorry. so much. Every scene, I'm like, oh, this is bad, too. Yeah. So, Harry's upset. They get back to the office. And then Harry decides that he needs to tap Ellen's phone. Mm-hmm. So, he gives Which he the uses order. government resources to do. Correct. They tap Helen's phone. And he reads the transcripts. And he is now surveying her work. And home phone. Mm-hmm. He finds out about the Simon character. Uh, before that, Gib tries to stop him and says he... It's like Gib frequently at this point is trying to get him to calm down and to stop him. And Harry blackmails Gib by saying, do you remember that six-week assignment that you ruined by getting a blowjob? Or because mm. you were getting a blowjob? So now, because this is just a thing friends do, Harry right. is blackmailing... His partner to help right. him yeah. surveil his what wife. Else, yeah. Yes. And who knows what else, what other kind of strings he's pulling. He's surveilling right. his wife illegally. Um, definitely um, taking over government resources that are not meant to be used for this. He's um, also not to, doing work anymore, right? Like, yeah, he has yeah, a no, job. No, this has taken over the whole, like, forget about the terrorists. At this point, the terrorists have been long forgotten. Mm-hmm. Like, now we are fully focused on spying on his wife who he suspects is cheating on him he finds out that she 
is at, at the very minimum maybe having an emotional affair with this this guy who who's who is a con artist right oh we haven't even talked about uh simon, simon yet yeah so like simon is is a con artist who who tricks women into thinking that he is a secret agent but mm-hmm. in reality he is a just a car salesman because used car greasy salesman trope correct and um he uses you know his his con is basically i'm a secret agent we're going to go on a secret mission to, 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 you know, someplace really exotic and we have to pretend to be a couple and we got to make sure we, we, we got to practice so we can sell the, the cover story. And he uses that to sleep with married women. Um, and this Correct. is what's happening to Helen. Yes. Right. Helen, who apparently believes her husband is so boring. She just needs some excitement in her life, let alone all the other like you know, emotional distancing and, and abuse mm-hmm. that she already receives from her husband. Um, what she really wants is just excitement. That's the thing, right? That's all mm-hmm. women really want is excitement, yeah. not to they be treated like human beings or, or understanding or yeah. understand or understood or for you to um, show up for your fucking birthday dinner. Yeah. So, yeah, so Simon's character himself is interesting because he's a mirror of Harry's character. He's a right. salesman pretending to be a spy, and Harry right, is a so spy a pretending yeah. to be a salesman. And yes. it's important to note that uh, Simon is played by Bill Paxton, and he is literally written to be the most disgusting character in this right. entire film. And somehow. he pulls it off. Oh my god. I... It's so I have good. No, I have no words. I have a lot of words. This is a very long episode, but oh my God. Um, it's also really important for me to establish at this point in time that Helen is all in about this. She is excited when she gets the call at work. She's visibly excited when she yes. goes to meet him at the restaurant. Simon, she like sprays mouth spray into her mouth. She freshens mm-hmm. up her appearance. She is yes. excited. She is interested in this person. It's important for me to establish that because later they're going to try to take it back. Yes, absolutely. She has agency and she is doing this for herself. Right. Right. So, but then, but then they try to be like, Oh, but he tricked her. Right. She or actually had she, no agency. She never decided. Well, you can't be, <laughs> we'll get there. So, yeah. I think he's also bugged her purse at this point, so he can hear yeah. what they're saying at the oh, restaurant. All kinds of stuff is going on. They're bugging, they're yeah. bugging the purse. They're spying on the calls. Mm-hmm, you know, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. At some point, Simon isolates her, like as like, a, oh, we're about to go on a secret mission kind of thing. Wait, we're missing the scene in the car. Oh my gosh, the, scene the, the car. car comes before. Oh yeah. my gosh, the car in that line. <laughs> that line. Oh, oh my goodness. The okay, whole let's, scene let's talk, is yeah, so cringy. So we cannot they, miss this scene. They go in a car um, Arnold, on their way. Carrie to Tasker be, yep. goes and pretends to be interested in the car that Simon uses to pick up women. It's a very classic old sports car that's red. And so they're taking a test drive together, Harry and Simon. Simon is driving. Okay. Here's a quote from one of the things. So Simon is being disgusting and talking about how using the car is important to get women. The first horrible thing he says is, you know, the only reason that you want a sports car like this, it doesn't handle well. It's not technologically advanced. You just want it for pussy. So we're starting off strong. And then he says the vet gets them wet because once again, as we've established, 
rhyming is hilarious. So, yep. what was your line? Yeah, that's Matt? the funny joke. That's the mm-hmm. funny joke. I was actually thinking about like how uh, they took the car. Uh, Simon took Helen in the car later uh, oh, to, yes. to isolate her. And then, oh, then okay. there was so like we'll, the, we'll the head on in the this... lap thing. <laughs> oh, God. First car scene. So the vet gets them wet. And then because Harry Tasker is trying to get more information out of Simon, he encourages him to talk more. And I have to find the exact quote because it it is it boggles the mind. It really does. And we're going to have to dissect this one because Harry encourages Simon to talk more. And he's clearly he basically asks, well, who are you working on now? Because, you know, Harry. Harry. So, you know, don't talk to your wife. You should clearly just go talk to the man that she's talking to on the phone. Whatever. So this whole thing is problematic. Anyway. um. She says, uh, Simon says, I've always got a few on the line, but there's this one chick I got right now. I got her panting like a dog. It's great. So that's horrible, but it's not even the worst it gets. Later, he says, oh, but she could be so hot if she wanted to. She's like all these babes. You get their pilot lid. They could suck start a leaf blower. And she's got the most incredible body, too. And a pair of titties that make you want to stand up and beg for buttermilk. Ass like a 10-year-old boy. Okay. What? Like, who wrote this? Oh, my God. Where do you even start? The film is so bad at this point that I completely, like, I didn't even... Register this? I guess they, they, yeah, I didn't register this line at all. So maybe, like, this film is rated R not just because of the one line, but it's all the dialogue. Like, it's there's nothing in this film that makes it rated R because of anything but... The There's no on-screen sex. Right. Yeah. There's no gore. There's no on-screen sex. There's no nudity. It's just the horrid dialogue. Right. And the, the apparently poor opinion that this film has of women. Yes. So, and, sucks and starting like, yes, a leaf we're supposed blower. To think, <laughs> we're supposed to think Simon's a, a, a sleazeball. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we're also invited to, like, laugh at yeah. these lines, which right. makes it really, like... He's supposed to represent our inner narrative. We're not allowed to say out loud so we can laugh at him. Right. It's right? funny because like it's true. Yeah. Like everyone would want to be this way, but they're just not allowed to. Right. Kind of. Yeah. So suck starting a leaf blower. I don't even really know what that means. No, it doesn't. It don't make no sense. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. I get it. Really good at blowjobs. Who? <laughs> Uh, I I mean, we could have an entire podcast just about the misrepresentation of oral sex and media, but blowjob being the pinnacle of some sort of woman, woman gift and or necessary skill that she must have Mm -hmm. in order to, I don't know, deserve attention. It's hard to unpack. The ultimate symbol of her subjugation and reduction to sex object. Yeah. It's also interesting that all women are the same. Right. So he's referring to everyone because this is not the first time he's done this. And, you know, they could all suck start a leaf blower. And then he starts talking about her specifically. So, you know, he comments on her breasts and says something about making you beg for buttermilk. I don't know what that means. It's just like someone made up a trope or something to say. It's alliteration. It's just alliteration. They both start with bees. Yeah. And then we get to ask like a 10 year old boy. And all I have are anime question marks over my head. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> what what aspect of her ass? Like, no, 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 remember, she, he is talking about Jamie Lee Curtis, one of the most beautiful mm. women in the world at this point. Right. She has hips for days and a sizable ass. So what about her ass is like a 10 year old boy? A B is that pedophilic? Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's a little. Is it? I, I don't understand what he's trying to say right. with the, that line. We, we are supposed to think that Simon is a sleazeball. Mm hmm. But like it's it's his crassness and crudeness that we think is sleazy. Not the message message behind it, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, we're supposed to take ass like a ten year old boy, and we're supposed to understand what that means. And it's supposed to be a compliment. It's supposed to be, yeah, it's a compliment. It's crass, but it's a compliment, right? At this point, Harry's doing the jealous husband thing, mm -hmm. and this is one of the reasons why I think it's really more about possession than caring about her, right? Like, none of this, none of his actions right now are upset that his wife is being deceived. He's upset that someone is trying to possess his wife when it's his wife. Right. So he's Simon is doing all these things and saying things. Uh, Harry has this really weird daydream where he like backwards punches Simon and breaks his neck and it's super violent, but it was just a daydream. Yeah. Um, and then they, they pull the whole fake out thing. Yeah. They pull the whole fake out thing. Okay, so Simon has to be this bad because Harry is so unsympathetic. Like, he's such an mm. unsympathetic character. We have to make yes. the other person who's emotionally manipulating Helen even worse. Right. Okay, so they're in the car. Uh, at this point, um, Harry takes over the driving or something because they have more conversations about Simon being really shitty. It's bad. It's really bad. Mm. All of his lines are terrible. And then Harry drives the car back to the office, does the does the typical spy movie thing where no one knows he's a spy, but he spins his car and backs into a parking space and is clearly right. like, oh, look, look how good he is at driving. Nobody <laughs> expected that. He freaked out Simon with his with his, with his dangerous driving. Excellent driving. Yep. OK. So now. We've established that Simon sucks. <laughs> yeah, Simon sucks. Simon sucks. Next, what happens? Simon could suck start a leaf blower. <laughs> Simon could suck start a leaf blower. <laughs> I just don't get it. So Simon goes on a date with Helen. Kind of. Wait, they already met in the cafe. Now. Right. Oh, this gets us to the point where now Harry goes home and Helen's there. And Harry knows or thinks he knows that Helen's having an affair. And so he starts kind of side grilling her. Right. Right. Uh, this is where the lighting has changed. It's very harsh. Helen's visibly nervous. And he looks crazy in this scene. His eyes are so angry. Mm -hmm. Do you remember like his facial expressions? I know that they the movie wants us to think that he's the good guy, but I, I'm not convinced yeah. that they do well, because... You know, I think that, that we are definitely supposed to think that he's unhinged for this next section. Correct. Which is fair, because he is unhinged. And, 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 but the weird thing about this movie is he goes through all of this unhinged stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like, they... There's just so much. So, like, we go through all this unhinged stuff. 
you know, he's, he's, he's tracking, he's following his wife via helicopter. There's crazy shit going on. You know, there's, there's a kidnapping at, at one, well, not a kidnapping, but shit gets crazy. And, yeah. but the thing is, is like after this segment, after this like sequence of events where he's acting crazy and mm-hmm. he has to start acting heroic again, because the action movie takes back over, we're supposed mm-hmm. to just forgive him for yeah. all of it. Like, oh, well, I understand. Like, no, no, I don't understand. I don't understand at all. You are a nutter. Stop being so crazy. Yeah. He, I think, I think at the very least we're supposed to sympathize with him. And like I said, or like we agreed, right? He, his actions are supposed to be justified, even though he's crazy right now. Yeah. Right. Like this is a man in love. Right. Yeah, he's overreacting, but you can you can sympathize. You can understand. No, I, I can't sympathize yeah. at all. If you took any of the frames from this part, you would think that it was a horror movie thriller about a man trying to kill his wife. Right. Every every facial expression is horrible. So yeah. well, this, I mean, like for one thing, every movie that this movie is made of would be a good movie. It's just <laughs> the movie that we ended up with is terrible. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like a, a movie where a a person a a man who works for the government as a intelligence agent, as an analyst, or even as a spy, or as a field agent, right, finds out his wife is cheating on her and then like tortures her. That's a good horror movie. That's correct. Like, wrap that up, right? That's awesome. Great. A movie where a housewife with an ostensibly boring husband finds out that there's more to her husband than she knows and has to then find out what the deal is and finds out that he's a secret agent and all this other stuff and then has to cope with that and reconcile it with her marriage with the man she knows with the man who he is to other people correct that's a good movie yes i would watch that movie um and then there's the movie where a man tries to hide that he who he is to his wife for a larger purpose mm-hmm. less interesting movie but still like kind of a movie you could, yeah, get you a could explore the sure. who am i and how yeah. do i be both or like or zany situations where he has to like oh no she's gonna find out and i've got to make sure she doesn't find out you know mm-hmm. like oh uh, well, the missed out fire moments kind of thing like <laughs> yes. the face with the, with I could the, totally the, see that. the cream pie like with that pie. that's a funny movie <laughs> that's a good comedy uh-huh um, and then that's not this movie. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then a movie where, where terrorists are involved for some reason. Yeah. Standard, spies family. you know, like that's, Mission that's, Impossible. You know, that's kind of a movie, but you put all those movies together and that in a, just a dash of nineties white boy summer and you're left with true lies, a film where the title makes no sense and the logo makes less sense. Because the logo is like a grenade with a wedding ring on it. And there are no grenades in this entire movie. Actually, there is one. At the very end. Yeah. Apparently there's a scene where... um, So this part of the scene was cut out. But at the end, Juno puts a grenade in between Helen's legs and says, Keep your legs together. You can do that, can't you? Holy this is a cut. I this is that. This is I a must removed have been scene. Wasted at that point. This is not in the movie. This is just oh. what was supposed to be. It was cut. And anyway, later, I guess she throws a grenade or something, and that's why the something explodes. Um, so there's one grenade, 
at the end. And it's a discontinuity oh because the grenade shows up without Juno actually having put right. it there. Oh, so like that, that's basically. Oh, God damn. But even <laughs> that line was too sexist for this movie, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah. The but it was, was trying clearly to seduce... meant to be there. Yeah. That's a perfect example of women hating women. So. Yeah. Yeah. This movie's off the rails. Um, yeah. And okay. it's occurring. Can we, can we just get to the point where uh, Harry is torturing his wife? Yes, because for some reason, Simon sends Simon calls Helen at her house. Helen answers, hears mm-hmm. that it's him, and agrees to meet him under a bridge. Right. Yep. Long story short, Simon tells her some sort of spy junk, gets her in his car, yep. and then they're driving. And now you get to say your part that you love so much. Oh, this is like the the part where um, so Harry has a helicopter following them. Yes, so Harry follows healthy. them immediately. Mm-hmm. And um, there's one point where they imply oral sex between Helen and Simon. I was like, and her head in his is in his lap. Who boy? Yeah. Okay. So Ooh, fun boy. fact: I don't think that they actually had oral sex because they mm. haven't had any intimate contact yet. And it's she's left, very it's un- left pretty ambiguous. It is. But it doesn't match the character that shows up at the trailer because he takes her to a trailer and uses the excuse that his New York apartment is too hot. There's too much attention on him when clearly yeah. he's a used car salesman that lives in a gross trailer. Yes. Yes. So and, and, he says, put your head down on my lap. And so, yeah, it looks like she's yeah. giving him oral sex. Right. And it's super creepy. Fun it fact. Is, super weird. <laughs> The man that says the thing about uh, her head being in his lap is James Cameron. He is said it, really? it in this movie. It is. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the quote from right. him in this movie. But I, which I, is, I feel like that line is in there because, like, I think the movie has to justify all of the things that are about to happen to Helen. Yeah. Right. So it's left ambiguous on a purpose. You're supposed to think like, so at a from minimum, Harry's she's perspective. Having, from right. Harry's perspective, at a minimum, she's probably having a bit of an emotional affair for whatever mm-hmm. reasons justified or not. Um, and then they escalated to potentially ambiguously a actual physical affair. Mm-hmm. And this is to justify to the audience What's going all to of the horrible, horrible things that Harry is about to do to Helen. To Helen. And what makes this even worse is Harry knows that this guy is lying to her. Harry right. knows that this guy is trying to trick her into having right. sex with him, but it and doesn't he matter. Her. And he blames her. He blames yes. her. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yeah. That's the messed up thing about this situation. Yeah. Like he blames her for being the victim of a carn artist. Yes. The prize cow must protect itself. Right. So they end up at this trailer. Simon is laying his spy thing on thick. I yep. want to I want to pull ourselves back from a moment so we can really appreciate the horror of this scene because it's very, very important. Mm. So we have Helen. This is a woman who received a phone call uh, during dinner. She left. There are no cell phones. She goes to a weird bridge. She gets into a man's car, a man who she has now seen two times, maybe three, if you include the first time she met. This is the third time she's seen him. He is apparently an international spy. So this is the third time she's seen him. He is apparently an international spy. She gets into his car. He drives. He puts her head in his lap. 
from the majority of the drive, we're led to believe. And then they end up in the woods at a trailer. She's in a trailer, alone with a man she doesn't know well, with no means of escape, and no means of communicating anyone. She is alone with a man and cannot get out, right? Pre-cell phone. Pre-cell right. phone, so, yes. There's, oh, she also doesn't have her purse. Right. Which is established nothing. because uh, he was, Harry was trying to track her. And yep. so, <laughs> yeah, like, just take like, this a very by... Minimum, this is definitely a date rape situation. Like, Yes, this is horrifying. This is yeah. a terrible, terrible situation to be in as a woman. Okay, so Simon starts laying the spy thing on really thick, and he immediately says, I need you to help me. I need you to pretend to be my wife for this thing in Paris. It's part of my cover story, blah, blah, blah. And then he pulls the thing you were talking about earlier, where he's like, well, to to really sell it, we have to establish this intimacy. We have to make sure that people believe us, so we're going to have to sleep together. And so he sits on the couch next to her and he tries to touch her and she jerks back like she's clearly uncomfortable at this point. This is interesting because up to this point, she had agency and she was excited about Simon. Like we are led to believe that she was romantically interested in Simon, but also Mm -hmm. I guess that she's stupid enough to fall for these things. Right. Like there's a weird combination of what we want to believe that this woman is. She's both evil for even considering this. And also super stupid and naive, right? Now the movie is shifting because we can't have that be true. That was just the justification for what's about to happen. Now we have to establish Helen as a pure soul again, right? Like this is the shift right. that I saw. Now she has to be innocent and worth saving. Is that, is that, any, is that something that you, you picked up on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like she's definitely like in this movie, she is a malleable object who is there to serve like whatever function the plot requires of her. Um, and, and definitely less as a, as a human being with, with valid feelings. Right. They even like show a frame where they kind of zoom in on her wedding ring. Um, and it's just very obvious that they're like, yes. So she, she's visibly uncomfortable. Simon tries to lean in. She starts to protest, like, very clearly, like, no, I don't really want to do this, et cetera, et cetera. At some point, she physically shoves him off of her. And his response is, well, if you don't want to do it for me, don't do it for your country. So just to recap, she's alone in this trailer with no escape, Mm -hmm. no way of communicating with anyone. And this man is not going to stop. She is going to get raped. There's even a look on her face after this scene, uh, during the scene where she just looks it sort of looks like I'm trying to think of a good metaphor. Like maybe you realized your lawnmower is broken and you have to cut your lawn with scissors. Like mm-hmm. you are so fucking resigned. <laughs> everything is, <laughs> everything is horrible, right? Like yeah. she, she kind of like her face is like, she's coming to terms with this thing that's about to happen to her. Maybe I'm yep. reading into that, but that is a hundred percent what I took yeah. away. It's kind of there. And then, and then the, the no knock rate starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So and she gets we, kidnapped. So she's just having the best night of the. Of yeah. Her life. So when I was watching this movie with friends, I had to keep pausing to make sure that we did not forget these things were happening. Yep. Like because it is the movie makes it very very easy to slip away from the reality of what is happening because they do not emphasize it at all. This woman has been deeply traumatized and should have years and years of therapy. 
Right. So the no-knock raid, right? Uh, a, a further misappropriation of funds. Harry right. fucking has helicopters and some sort of SWAT team. They come in, they, they, they do the helicopters, the lights are everywhere. They're, and keep in mind, they're a secret government agency, so they can't even like bust it and say like FBI or whatever. <laughs> like They just come in, no-knock raid, blah, blah, blah. Helen gets kidnapped, and I guess she's assuming it's the, the, some enemy... Of Simon's. Whatever. Right. right. Like, that's Simon. what she yeah. immediately believes. When they, when they stun her, she also falls onto Simon because she had just mm-hmm. pushed him away. Oh, Simon falls onto her and her legs go up in the air like a cartoon. And right, yeah, it yeah. looks like we, they're we're having supposed sex. supposed to laugh at her. Like, the whole yes. movie is laughing at her. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, she sprawled on the bed like a human who's trying to sleep. Ah. Bah, 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 bah. Yes. Right. And they also, like, so she cut ends up off. in an interrogation room. Oh, yeah. So... She gets hooded and kidnapped. Right. So, Straight up kidnapped. Tortured. Also, Straight up tortured. <laughs> yeah. Harry's there in person. And I want it to yep. be known that he comes into this scene. Um, his wife is clearly like she's screaming at this point in this scene. She is screaming because there's a mm-hmm. bunch of lights. They cut off the front of the trailer. He's about to be raped by this man who's just thrown onto her. And Harry's first action is to grab simon and take him away and right. then other people kidnap his wife put right. a hood on his, her his concern and throw is her not the for his wife no his, his concern, concern is, is, is this man who threatens his masculinity right and has damaged his property yes so like he's not checking on her he's not concerned he doesn't have like any idea how traumatizing it would be for any of this to happen Even if it were a consensual sexual thing, this happening to you and you being kidnapped and thrown into a van is horrifying. Yeah. So then it goes into possibly one of the worst scenes of the movie, which is a hard prize to win, which is him and his interaction with Simon when they are when they are pretending that Simon is an international terrorist that they're about to kill. Do you remember Mm. this scene? No, not really. Okay. It's, I, I, uh, I honestly kind of like dismissed Simon as soon because I was just so horrified at like the, the kidnapping <laughs> of the wife and then putting her in an interrogation room oh, with the one way yeah. mirrors and the, the voice changer and mm-hmm. the like, do you still love your husband? And it's like, yeah. Oh my God. Who gives so, a shit? Like, you're torturing her. Like, what the yeah. fuck? In this scene with Simon, Gib and Harry take him and they're on the edge of some sort of dramatic dam that they're about to drop him down. They're wearing ski masks and mm. they're calling him names. Like he's a terrorist and saying, we know you're a terrorist. You're gonna, you're gonna, you know, we're going to kill you. And Bill Paxton's character, Simon becomes the most self-effacing man ever he starts just blabbering that he can't get women to sleep with him without lying etc etc he's just piling it on at one point he even says i have a really small dick like everything that you would expect if you believed in the whole red pillar thing right like Mm -hmm. all right this man is worth and then he pees himself which is a weird thing that happens in this movie not once because urinating oneself is, is funny and they had to call back to that at the end of the film again yeah it's it's absurd. Like he immediately breaks down and starts blubbering even during the time where they're getting kidnapped and he's being dragged away. He's he's yelling, take her, take her. Like he immediately is like, get rid of um, Helen. I don't need her. <laughs> and 
And then he cries and sobs and says all these things and tell and tells Harry he's not worth a bullet because Harry is holding a gun up to his head and pees himself. And they are content with this outcome. He has successfully self-effaced enough, self-effaced enough to be released. And so they just boot him out on this random highway and drive off. And wholly illegal Batman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole darn thing. All of this was really to get to possibly, well, I won't say it's the worst. It's one of the worst. I don't know. Like I said, hard prize to win. They get her in a, in a, in a room, concrete room, you know, with the one way mirror, the whole nine. Scary. She's they missing a voice shoe. changes. Yeah. She doesn't know what's going on. And they're just like, they're interrogating. It's like, are you sleeping with this man? Are you cheating on your husband? Blah, blah, blah. Do you, do you love mm-hmm. your husband? And at the end it was like, do, do you love your husband? She's like, yep. Yes. And then was like, oh, okay. Everything's good now. Yeah. You love your husband, but we're going to do one last little trick on you. We're going to make <laughs> you, we're going to make you go meet with the guy. Yep. In a dark room in a hotel, and you're going to have to be a spy. And then, like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, at the, at the scene after this, Jamie Lee Curtis actually pulls, like, her most, like, the most, like, woman-empowering scene in the whole movie. She, like, takes agency for herself and, like, tears her dress up to be more sexy to play the role better. We have very different interpretations of this. Yeah. Which I'm very I mean, curious fair. to explore. Yeah. yeah so, but But she basically, she wants to be... After the interrogation, she's like, she wants to be like, she's, 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 she buys into the spy thing and she wants to be the best she can. Yeah. Her transformation very, into the yeah. spy thing is very interesting because up until this point, she's been a dotty housewife, right? Yes. Where she's very naive and simple minded and she works at, you know, some tax office or a legal firm yeah. or something. And she's not, she's not a serious character. But this interrogation room scene is the best bit of acting in the entire movie because Jamie oh, yeah. Lee Curtis fucking kills it. Like, it's absurd how good she is. And oh, this whole movie. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. This, Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing. I don't think that the movie would have even been able to do its horribly done transition into the second action part if Jamie Lee Curtis had not sold this part so well, because oh, essentially yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, they start off by asking her what she knows about, like, they're pretending it's still terrorist, what she knows about Simon, you know, and of course, like, did she sleep with him, et cetera, et cetera. And as they start delving more into the intimacy between her and her husband, she starts to lose her demeanor. Did you notice? Like, at the beginning, she's still polite and unsure of Mm -hmm. herself, and then she starts to get meaner and madder and using curse words. So this is her transformation into... I guess the type of woman she's going to have to be to be a yeah. spy. Yeah. And then when they ask her, so at the end, also the way that they treat this scene, like Arnold Schwarzenegger is the one asking these questions and he, like they, they put the camera in on him. And after she says she hasn't slept with him and uh, she hasn't slept with Simon and she still loves her husband and she doesn't say, Oh yeah, I just love him. She's like, ah, I love him so much. And blah, blah, blah. Like she, she's clearly, at this point in the film being used to just, she has to repro- reprove her value, right? To Harry. She hasn't been sullied by another man. Right. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, she's like this very whole scene is defensive. From Harry's point of view. Mm-hmm. And they play it like, this is a really good thing, right? Like this, this is supposed to be them reconnecting and communicating about their marriage, except she's being fucking tortured. She's yes. in a room, a concrete yes. room. 
tied yes. to a chair, right? Yes. And he, like they'll they'll pan in on Arnold Schwarzenegger and he'll be like, "Oh, my wife, she didn't bang another man." And we're like, "Oh, <laughs> how sweet." No. This man no, is fucking yeah. torturing his wife who yes, he just that, kidnapped. That's the only thing I could think of the whole time I'm watching the scene is that he's torturing his mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what comes out of this nope. this interaction. That is not a marriage that needs to continue. No, and like, nor should it. These are, and two, he should... these are two people who like this is this is a guy who 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 really needs to get his shit together. Yeah, because he, he should be in have jail. His shit together. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, where's the sequel to this where he's like he gets gets pulled in front of a judge for like misappropriating government funds, kidnapping, right? right like, kidnapping. He's like, oh, but it's okay because he stopped a terrorist. <laughs> That's exactly how the movie plays it. Yeah, you know. Like they accidentally interrupted a terrorist, and so everything is okay. Yeah. So yeah, at the end, he gives her this assignment. He says, "We're going to have to have a mission for you, and if you don't do it, we're going to kill your family." Yeah, because now we are reestablishing her as yep. a family person again, too. Right. Um, yes, and this is and, and so, this, this whole like second mission thing is clearly like, oh, they're going to do a thing, and then it's going to turn out it was a date the whole time. The whole time and i just don't i just want to know how harry the character thought that was going to go down i have no idea right like oh we're gonna make you think it's a secret thing it's horrific and then you know you're gonna go to a hotel room and you're supposed to dance for this guy Mm -hmm. and then finally the lights are gonna turn on and it's gonna turn out it was your husband the whole time and like What's no. the next step after that? Like, oh, it was my husband the whole time. This I was in a, I was being tortured by my husband <laughs> the whole time. Cool. I was I was abducted. Yeah. With a SWAT team because of my husband the whole That's so romantic. Right? This is what women want. They want yeah. to be forcibly abducted yeah. by their husbands. Right? And like made that, to and pretend to be prostitutes. Right. And that's got to be what James Cameron thinks of like infidelity it's like oh she cheated because she wanted more excitement because mm. in this situation where she has more excitement everything's hunky-dory yeah excitement trauma Except, is exciting oh no. and of course yeah. the, the whole date gets ruined when the terrorists show up mm-hmm. out of nowhere and it's like that's when you remember it's like oh yeah i'm watching an action movie an action spy movie yeah not like a weird guy torturing his wife movie yeah, so let's let's talk about this scene because it's curious. I'm curious about your perceptions of it versus mine. So yeah. she is told that she needs to go to this hotel and to dress sexy. That's the only instruction she's given. She goes yep. to the front desk. She gets an envelope. The envelope says, come to such and such room or no, it has a phone number and you're supposed to call. Um, it's also important to note that. There is a script that has been recorded by a Frenchman that works with Harry at the agency, right? So he has a tape recorder of things, so it's not his voice. Right. It's very home alone. (laughs) It is. She calls his number, and they say, you're a prostitute named Michelle, and you have to plant this bug that was in the envelope on the telephone in this hotel room. Right now, she's wearing a dress that a housewife would think is sexy, that has a lot of frills. It's very tight-fitting, but it also looks a little bit like a little black dress had sex with a clown. So, 
we've got that. She goes upstairs and she's standing in front of a mirror. And this is the part where you're like, okay, you're saying she's taking agency. So tell your, tell your side. Well, I just mean like she, the thing was like, she, she, so she dressed one way, very mm-hmm. housewifey. And then she, mm-hmm. she goes through a transformation where she realizes that she has to be different somewhere mm-hmm. else. And no one told her to rip up her dress or anything. She took it upon herself to be competent and to, to own her role in what happens next. Interesting. Um, okay. I can see that. Right. I, I found it a somewhat like, I don't like, I don't think it was necessarily was empowering, but I think the film was trying to communicate that this was an empowering moment somewhat mm-hmm. for Helen. Um, she's at least accepted her situation. Maybe. Right. Yeah. She started acting? to take more control over what, or how she presents herself, right? Mm-hmm. Which again is like that goes back into like its own weird sexist stuff. Yeah. So this whole movie, this whole <laughs> it's movie layers. So the thing that I saw was she gets in front of this mirror. She starts ripping up her clothes because she mm-hmm. knows that whores look a specific way. Like this whole scene was transformation into the whore from the housewife. She pulls uh, out a red lipstick yeah. that she had in her purse magically forever. The perfect whore shade of red. Right. And because well, all women are just prepared. Yeah. At moment you know, to become is, you don't, pff, the whore. <laughs> exactly. There's always waiting. Um, she puts some f- water from a flower vase and slicks back her hair. Cause I guess whores don't have dry hair. And no, absolutely not. Yeah. I've seen she, the matrix. <laughs> She pushes up her, uh, she pushes up her breast and it's, this is the first time in the movie that we get to see Jamie Lee Curtis being Jamie Lee Curtis. She is beautiful. Her arms are toned for days and this Mm -hmm. dress is fitting her like a shadow. Like it is so good. And she looks, she looks amazing. And she has, she has completed her transformation into this this idea of a prostitute, right? Like, so yeah, she's taken agency to be pigeonholed into this mm-hmm. role because women are only allowed to be a subset of things, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say that's that's definitely a fair assessment of that scene. Yeah, um, it, it feels like Arnold's punishing her more. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was like her taking control of her, like being her adopting the spy persona, and um. But she's not choosing to be a spy. She's being right, blackmailed. She's not, yeah. Yeah. She's being blackmailed. And she's and, and I guess you're coming from the the more she's uh, more of the whore persona. And mm-hmm. I was thinking the spy persona of someone who's like owning their sexuality mm-hmm. and using it as a weapon, anything they have as an asset. Yeah. Um, which is fair. So we are seeing yeah. her use her tools now. Yeah. But once again, this movie only sees her tools as a very specific subset of things. Oh, it's very much like the, the like, oh, the homely girl takes off her glasses and undoes <laughs> the hair. And like, oh, that. look, oh, she's actually yeah. beautiful. Thank it's like, you, no, she was Hollywood. beautiful the whole goddamn time. Yeah. You know what? If Jamie Lee Curtis wants to wear reasonable business suits and, you know, work in an office and she works really hard. She... Works a full-time job and still has dinner and breakfast and everything made all the time. Like, if you see the domestic scenes, Harry's not helping with any of that. So she's oh God, already... No, no. He, he doesn't. He bother, barely bothers to show up for dinner. Right. And it's always there. And she's like, you know, and it's a full meal. It's like multiple mm. dishes on that table. I don't know what's in it, but she gets home from work, does all that, and is also 
a wife and a mother and etc. And now a whore because we have to yep. go through all of them. So yep. got to woman as, yeah. as all the various things. So Harry's punishing a mother, her. a wife and a whore. Yes. Harry is essentially turning her into what he already thought she was. Because oh, now that's an interesting way to think, look at it. I didn't even mm-hmm. think of it that way because I'm just a dumb man. But oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. So he's like, all right, you're going to be a whore then. And so she goes into this room. Harry, Harry is sitting in a chair. His face mm-hmm. is in shadow. You cannot tell who this man is. Yeah. So. And he's got um, his little yak back. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's the 90s. He's got his little home alone, <laughs> little tape recorder, talk mm-hmm. boy thing you know yeah. and, so, and instead of talking he uses that to talk to her and like make her do like oh now put down your put down your your purse you know mm-hmm. get all sexy undressed or whatever oh we forgot one important thing which is super oh. gross and creepy when jamie lee curtis is talking on the phone and they say you have to be a prostitute she asks am i gonna have to she doesn't finish the sentence and mm. the man on the phone says don't worry he just likes to watch so this is what she thinks she's going into Yes. Yes. So, back, sorry, catching back up. Now we have yeah. the tape recorder telling Jamie Lee Curtis, take off your clothes. So yep. take off your dress. Um, and she does. Yep. And, Jamie and she Lee like, Curtis, tries to do like a sexy dance and she like yeah. trips over and like is a very human moment. Right. Jamie Lee um, Curtis is wearing a matching bra and thong set. She is perfectly waxed and mm-hmm. You could never tell that this woman has ever had a child. She has an ab line. This woman is beautiful, like absurdly so, right? There's no universe in which this woman is a housewife. Um, And the idea that a housewife, when told to dress sexy, doesn't have a sexy dress that wasn't made by a clown, but does have a perfect matching bra and thong set. What's interesting is these were actually Jamie Lee Curtis's real underwear. This wasn't uh, mm. something that like wardrobe provided. Right, wardrobe and, didn't didn't come up with this. This was yeah, it was actually her idea to be uh, in underwear instead. She was supposed to be naked and just dancing with only the silhouette showing. Apparently, originally, mm-hmm. and Jamie Lee Curtis was like, "No, no, turn the lights on." So, that- and in that respect, I can kind of see like some people see this as a female empowerment scene right like right i could, I could even see jamie lee curtis maybe herself this, this one scene the moment itself being somewhat empowering but ultimately like the, the context of the scene yeah definitely describes something else it's forgetting the entire context of the movie yeah. Yeah. right so he tells her to start dancing at mm-hmm. first she starts dancing like a fucking goober. Like she looks ridiculous. Right. right? Like she's like doing the school bus or something. And like, (laughs) and then he says, no, uh, like touch yourself or something like that. I don't know exactly what the tape recorder says. And so then she starts like running her hands over her skin. As soon as she reaches her breasts, it's like, ah, I have touched my own breasts. I remember I'm a sexual creature. I have been unleashed. And then she starts dancing really sexy in a very like, lascivious way to your point she does fall over at one point in time because we also have to remember she's incompetent yep so also it's a romantic comedy yes we must laugh this 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 part is so romantic and comedic yeah we're meant to see it that way right like this is supposed to be seen as them reconnecting somehow coerce there's nothing more romantic or comedic than coercing a woman into dancing half naked naked in front of a man she does not know correct 
in a hotel room alone hotel where no one knows alone. where she is. Yep. Yes. Very romantic. Very comedic. <laughs> so. Oh, it's just so uncomfortable. But before it gets too far, we get interrupted when the terrorists show up and remind us oh, no. that we're actually watching an action movie. Yeah, we missed the worst part of this scene, though, which is that he oh. says, lay on the bed yes. and close your eyes. Oh, but he which tells is, her- I guess, like, this is when we're going to reveal. Like, this is, this is where Harry thinks he's going to be romantic and reveal that it's actually been Harry the whole time. Maybe that was his point, but he doesn't do it immediately. He says, get yeah. on the bed and close your eyes. And she says, I thought you just liked to watch. So up until this point, she thought at least she was not going to be raped. Now she thinks, oh, no, I'm about to be raped by this man I don't know. Oh, His that's true. So arms- she, go- she goes from being almost date raped by sleazy mm-hmm. car salesman mm-hmm. to she thinks be- being in another rape situation with an potential arms terrorists, dealer. Right. arms dealer. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And so she lays on the bed with her eyes closed. Harry comes over, gets on top of her on the bed and leans down and kisses her. Her eyes are closed. And she starts to participate in the kiss in the scene. But I just want to keep the context there. She doesn't know who this is Mm -hmm. unless we're supposed to believe movie logic like, oh, only my husband could kiss me this way. So she thinks she's about to be fucking raped. Yep. Yeah. And and everything about this film is like trying to communicate that like she has somehow deserves this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very victim blamey and very like. Right. If you even remember she's a victim, which they don't right. really want you to. Right. This no, is supposed don't. to be they funny don't. and sexy. Yes. It's all right? supposed to be funny. It's all supposed to be. It's all. It's a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. This is so romantic. <laughs> this is and so, so funny. comedic. This is so funny. So then the terrorists show up and Correct. ruin Harry's entire plan. Moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was going to be the date to end all dates, and the terrorists yep. ruined it. Marriage rekindled. You know, just like the terrorists ruined the 90s. <laughs> so they're both kidnapped. Um, it's interesting because Jamie Lee Curtis's character, uh, Helen, still thinks she's a spy, and she keeps telling them ter- Harry's just a salesman, leave him alone. So she's trying to protect her husband. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, she's just a prostitute, leave her alone. God, the whirlwind of emotions. <laughs> that, <laughs> it's so bad. The whirlwind of emotions that Helen must be feeling at this point. Yeah, because when the terrorists come in, she like at this point is she hits Harry and is trying to escape and plant the bug and trying to get away. And then she sees Harry's face and Harry says, I know this looks bad. Like that's his only acknowledgement. So he knows what he's doing is wrong. Like, that's mm-hmm. what that statement says to yeah. me. I know okay. this looks bad because it is. <laughs> because, because it, it is. Horrible. <laughs> Mr. James Cameron. It is bad. It's very bad. It's so bad. It's a little beyond bad, if we're being <laughs> honest. Okay, so the terrorists kidnap them. Yeah. And then they reveal a big terrorist plot. Mm-hmm. Nukes. They're gonna set nukes. off a nuke. Yeah, yeah. there's some a scene. cute one-liners about like it being an ice cream machine or some shit. <laughs> yeah, and oh yeah, they are basically trying to get him to say what it is to prove that he's a spy. 
And he's right. like, I don't know, an ice cream machine or whatever. Right. And Where then, it's like, honestly, like if I was kidnapped by a bunch of terrorists and they showed me that, it's like, yeah, that's a nuclear warhead. I, yeah. I who are you? I'm a stay at home dad who records podcasts sometimes. <laughs> I've it's seen a nuclear movies. warhead. I've seen I'll, movies. Yeah. Why else would you have I it? I saw 1994's True Lies. <laughs> <laughs> a historical fiction about um 90s spy agencies clearly so this is the this is the moment of reveal which is interesting he finally drops his guard and goes on this very clearly mansplainy we're supposed to think he's really smart what a Mm. competent dude talks for twice as long as necessary explaining about what this nuclear warhead is Right. Like, do you remember that? He's just like, and it's a whatever, whatever. And it has a hundred gigahertz of fins. And I don't know anything about nuclear warheads. (laughs) Got four gigs of Ram, eight core processor. Yeah. Comes with Minesweeper. Right. (laughs) And so now, now Helen knows, oh, he's, oh. This guy knows his nuclear warheads. Yeah. And so her only. Her only backlash against him in this movie happens now. And oh, she yeah, punches yeah, yeah. him across the face yes. and says, you lying bastard or something like right. that. And that's right. the only time we see her do anything against him. Mm-hmm. And at this point, at it's this not point even... she, she has to be the bigger woman and put aside her feelings and save the country. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's necessary. Yep. We also aren't clear if it's because he is a spy and she didn't know like we don't know that she has connected the fact that he was torturing her that's not made clear ever right yeah right like maybe that maybe... was a conversation they had later with a therapist like it got uncovered oh i like, hope oh, so and then there was that time i tortured her it's like wait that was you <laughs> yeah can we go back to that <laughs> yeah okay, let's let's hold the phone <laughs> mm-hmm. so they're kidnapped. They're trying to figure a way out. Yeah. So we're finally something. in Act Three. Things are happening. Yeah, we're back. We're firmly back yep. into spy movie logic, right? All yep. of the all of the things that have happened in the past, we are not supposed to know about, or we are, but for some reason, don't remember the actual emotional whatever of it. And spy stuff happens. Yep, spy stuff happens. There's a nuclear bomb. Yeah. They're gonna. They're trying to transport it to the states. Mm-hmm. To, the to, to, Keys. Do, to do terrorist things for an undefined reason. Yeah. Um, just because they're terrorists. That's what terrorists do. Bad yep. guys do bad guy things. Yep. Oh, this brings up one of my favorite lines of the movie. So when Jamie Lee Curtis finds out that her husband is a spy, she only has two questions, which I also have a huge problem with. The first question is, have you killed people? And Harry's oh. response <laughs> is... Yes, but they were all bad. Yeah. Which. Which is supposed to be, I, I'm, I'm guessing that that's actually the second joke that got st- that stuck in the movie. <laughs> You're fired and yes, but they were all bad. They were, they were all bad. Yeah. So it's okay to kill that bad guys. Be, it's okay to That kill could guys. be a PhD thesis right there, mm-hmm. right? Like the moral relativism of spy right. agency hey, hey, representation in media. It's the 90s. It's the 90s. The second question she asks is how long have you been a spy? So they've been married for 15 years and he has right. been a spy for 17 years. Yes, that's where I probably got 17. 
mm-hmm. the daughter from 17 years. She's been a spy for 17 yeah. years. So those are her only two questions. I just find it very difficult to believe those would be the only two questions. Yeah. Right? They're in a life or death situation. Um, he's been injected with truth serum, which is weird. Like they clearly are going to torture him. Oh yeah. Him. That was like kind of a throwaway line. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got truth serum. So we can have this character moment real quick before we get back to the shooty shooty bits. Yeah. Like what are they even trying to get out of him? I don't, it's not clear. They inject him with yeah. truth serum and they're also going to torture him. But like right. if truth but serum he has, worked. He, has, he provides no value for these terrorists whatsoever. <laughs> In fact, if they had done nothing, if the bad guys had not kidnapped Harry mm-hmm. and just let Harry have his like, weird psycho sex state thing with his wife they they would be able to bomb the city no problem yeah because no be one golden. would be in the way to stop them they would they yeah. that guy's too busy having a fucking psychotic break <laughs> there's also the the part where we have to make the terrorists look more incompetent right like they're trying right. to film the thing they're trying to film their demands and oh, yeah. their camcorder runs out of batteries and clearly it's just like these are these are terrorists but they're bad at it yeah. rawr, rawr, they're, they're, rawr. they're cartoon bad guys they're slapstick yes. you know three stooges style mm-hmm. idiots um at this point i would like to introduce a really interesting fun fact slash coincidence so mm. the limo driver in the movie he is sort of like a round-faced man that has like it's, it's like a circle of hair and he also has facial hair uh, my friend who is staying with me right now actually is from Juneau, Alaska, and this gentleman is a cellist in the symphony in Juneau, Alaska. And huh. had, like my friend had seen him, and then when he watched True Lies, he was like, "Oh my god, that's the cellist!" And so it was funny because as we were watching it, he was like, "Well, now the movie's all about him because I can only look at him." So like we watched him through many many scenes. He's just a throwaway driver character that has yeah. maybe one line and just shows yeah. up and is it the right color and stature. But yeah, he's a very accomplished cellist. Isn't that fun? Small world. <laughs> yeah, the, the more you know. The more you know. So. so. Right. So like, and at this point, the plot like really doesn't matter. It falls apart. Terrorists are doing terrorist things. They're trying to transport nuclear warhead from like, what was it? The Florida Keys? Florida Keys into the the country. Into the country. And so they do this by car Mm -hmm. on on a bridge on a, on a two lane. Seven mile bridge is what it's called. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is like the, the secret agency that, that, Tasker is a part of that. Harry Tasker is a part of knows all this is going on because they've been spying on his stupid sex date the whole goddamn time. <laughs> and like, but instead there's like this big car chase thing mm-hmm. down this highway. It's like just want just just blow up the bridge. Yeah. Just just, so... just close. What? Just wait at the other end of the bridge. Just just wait there. Yeah. With a bunch of guys. Where are they gonna go? Why is this a big action <laughs> scene? Where are they? Go- They're on a bridge. In the middle of the ocean, mm-hmm. in a in a van, they're in, yep. they're in a van on a bridge <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. They're on <laughs> they're on a van in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, but so, it's a big tense action fight scene instead. It is. It's actually the the bridge destruction scene was filmed in miniature. Did you know that? For the special effects. (laughs) That's fair. I I just thought it was interesting. (laughs) 
<laughs> so like the limo. Okay. So Juno at this point, cause Juno reenters and is a super bad person again. Right. Yep. Like that yes, happened. Juno, Juno oh, is yeah. part of this whole uh, terrorist plot. Yeah. We forgot some sort of subtext where Juno tries yep. to convince uh, Helen that she and Harry had a love affair or right. whatever. Right. Just, just to piss off Helen. Like, yeah. And Harry's like, Oh, get, it never just happened. Just to preface the cat fight that happens later. Yeah. So in the car. That happens and is shitty, but now Juno has Helen in a limo. Yep. And they are draw they're also driving down the same bridge. So there's terrorists yep. in the truck that have the nuke or whatever. Yep. And then there's Helen in a limo. Yep. With Juno. And yep. our cellist. And, and um, Arnold is chasing them down in a helicopter because we skipped over the scene where like he kind of gets he kind of gets away. Yeah. Which somehow. was like kind of muddy. I was, right. I was several whiskeys deep at this point. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, I was also Arnold, under like, the influence he uses, of something. He, so. he, he, he impromptu is a flamethrower, which oh, is yeah. highly against the Geneva Convention and gets out. But like Helen gets yeah, kidnapped he, like, at the last minute. And they, that's when they line. start going down the bridge. And mm-hmm. so Arnold is in a helicopter with his agency chasing down the big bad nuke and mm-hmm. his, his wife with Juno in the limo. Yeah. And there's a part where yeah. he's having them shoot the bridge out. Yes. Right. Yeah. And he's saying, yeah, shoot out the bridge. Cause he's trying to get them to stop. Right. That makes sense. And then at one point they ask the nukes, not in that truck, is it? And he says, no, but he gives a look to the camera because it is. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah. Yeah. The smallest, most horrific moment in the film is like, oh yes, there's an enormous nuke in this truck. Yeah. Shoot some missiles at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're lucky that there was not a whole lot of traffic on the road at this middle mm-hmm. of the day on the, on the one road that goes to the Florida <laughs> Keys. Just terrorists. Just yeah. terrorists and nuclear weapons. Don't worry yeah. about it. Don't worry. No one else wants to go to those beautiful islands. Right. Yeah. So. So. <laughs> I don't know. They fight. There's a cat fight in the limo. Yeah. Juno and Helen are fighting. Uh, they think that Harry's dead. That's important. They oh, think yeah. Harry's dead right now. Juno says something about Harry being dead, and she says something about my condolences to the widow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fighting, fighting, fighting. Um, somehow gunfire starts going off, and the limo driver is shot and killed. Goodbye, fellow. Goodbye, beautiful cellist. He's dead. Right. Somehow the limo continues to drive itself for the next four miles. It's an incredibly long scene. It just yep. keeps going. It like yep. does the thing where it bounces back and forth between the, uh, what are those, guardrails? Yeah, guardrails. Yeah. Because that's how stuff works. <laughs> it just keeps going straight down this road forever. Okay. Harry. Helicopter. Chasing. Now he yep. wants to get his wife. Because yep. it has been reestablished that she has value. She is pure. Right. Uh, she is the driven snow upon which he deposits his manliness. Right. She can, she can keep a grenade in her pants. With the best of them. <laughs> yeah. Also, interesting. Um... Helen has been barefoot for a very long time at this point of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She lost yeah. her heels at some point, yeah. She lost one shoe somewhere, and then she gotta removed have that her trope. shoes. You've got to have the yeah. whole, like, uh, women in heels, they're impractical clothing for spice stuff. Yep. Um, and then she took the other one off, so now she's just running around barefoot over horrible factories and dirt yes. and et cetera. I want, I want a movie where a man has to put on heels. Yes. To, to accomplish a task. That sounds amazing. That'd be pretty good. I mean, you could do like a whole, 
I mean, the thing is, you could ruin it really easily by just making like a drag queen super spy. Yeah, like I would, you would have to be very and careful. And then it just to becomes like kind of pandering, anti-trans but, humor because we don't want yeah. that. We just want no, no. empathy, right? Because if you so, had if you had a trans joke, then you'd have to have a bunch of people vomiting uh, immediately following it because that's the that's the trans joke. Yeah. I didn't Which this any- movie doesn't have, so we're not going to yeah, get to that this one episode. One of the very few that I have seen. There's no, not that I could, there's one that gets close after, I guess it's not a trans joke, it's a gay joke. At the beginning, mm-hmm. um, when he does the tango or whatever, when Gib is trying to get Harry to get back in the car, he says, come on, twinkle toes, which is a pretty common derogatory term, at least in the 90s, for a gay person. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you go back to then, yeah, it's definitely anything feminine or dainty mm-hmm. um, ascribed to a man was always coded as like gay and therefore yeah. emasculine. Mm-hmm. But, so Arnold Schwarzenegger's in a helicopter trying to save yep. his wife. The bridge is yep. out. Bridge is out. She, Jamie Lee Curtis reaches out of the sunroof. Yep. And jumps into the helicopter or hangs onto the helicopter or whatever, right. which apparently is a stunt she actually did. She did herself. Yeah, she actually did that stunt herself, which so even more Jamie Lee Curtis is the true hero of this movie. Apparently, her name should be on the DVD box, not Schwarzenegger's. (laughs) Um, Apparently, when James Cameron wanted her to do this, she said, well, where are you going to be, Jim? And Jim said he was going to be in the helicopter filming down. So I guess James Cameron was actually in the helicopter filming. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a very dangerous looking stunt. It also went on for a very long time. Like they tried to oh, reach yeah. each other and it just went back and forth. Oh, I can't reach. I'm going to die. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Um, he rescues her. Pulls her up into the helicopter. Mm-hmm. They land. Yep. The nuke is Juno, out in the ocean. Juno crashes and dies or whatever. Yes. Juno, the evil exotic flower is dead. Right. And you would be forgiven for thinking that this would be the end of the film. They Absurd. stopped the nuclear. They stopped Never. the nuclear weapon. They stopped Juno. Yeah, they did all the things. They saved the wife, but you forgot something. Mm-hmm. He's so got a daughter. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely. And the daughter was the- kidnapped by the other by Malik or whatever the other terrorists. Mm-hmm. So this is where we had. They, I think what they really happened was they realized they had a whole bunch of money left. <laughs> I think they realized they hadn't used the Harrier jet enough. Yeah, they hadn't they, used the jet, and James Cameron had a fucking hole in his pocket that just... Yeah. <laughs> they built this huge green screen and these enormous, like, trusses or whatever to make it look like the Harrier jet was floating, and it was very expensive. So they were yes. like, oh, we gotta use this. Right. And, and up to this point, this isn't, like, really a VFX movie. Up to this no. point. Up to this point, it's just a regular old kind of action movie. There's some explosions, yeah. some gunfights. But then props. all of a sudden, it turns into this visual effects extravaganza. And by extravaganza, I mean, it's, it's Arnold in a jet on a green screen. It's like <laughs> not, it's honestly not very good looking, but it's fine. It's functional. It's 1994. It's the nineties, baby. <laughs> white boy summer. White boy summer. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like white boy decade. But Yeah. So before they realize it, Jamie, uh, sorry, Helen and Harry have a romantic kiss as a nuke goes off in the background. Cause right. that had to yep. happen. Yep. All is forgiven or something. Yep. And then, of course, their daughter, who they haven't seen or even thought about for several days at this point. Right. We haven't like in this and, and, and you have the as the audience have almost entirely forgotten unless you're just sitting there like me and going like, wait, 
It's already been two hours. Why isn't the movie over yet? <laughs> what else can they do? What are they? What's going on? Why am I watching this movie? <laughs> because your friend Caitlin hates you. I have recordings of me just screaming Caitlin into a <laughs> microphone. Like, can you send those Caitlin! to me? Caitlin! <laughs> Why? <laughs> because the world needs to know how bad this movie is oh, and it's, it's so our bad. job and to tell people them people like this movie they do yeah which we can okay. get to in a second because yeah. we're almost well, yeah, done let's, we let's, are almost yeah, let's out let's finish this up and get to that <laughs> so terrorism terrorism they steal his daughter he steals a harrier jet that he right. doesn't Commandeers. know how to fly he commandeers a harrier jet yes i think he says if they if i break it they can take it out of my pay or something right yeah yeah fun fact they rented the harrier jet for like some absurd hourly amount and it turned yep. out to cost a total of $100,000 for this film. I believe that. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm sure is a drop in the bucket for the budget of this movie. Yeah. Also, the military yeah. loves it when you do pro-military stuff. Oh, absolutely. So, they, they, you know, actually, you half the time the military will provide this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You just kind of have to apply. And as long as you're showing the military in a good light, mm -hmm. they mostly just kind of let you do what you want. Yeah. With the as long stuff. as you make us look like the heroes. Yep. And, it's all part know. of the recruiting effort. So mm, it's so, so, so successful. Yeah. So he's in a Harrier jet and we get back to his daughter, Dana. She's tied to a chair. There's clearly a nuke or some sort of, cause there were multiple nukes, I guess. Cause they, the, the terrorists said something about destroying one city every, every day until they get oh, some yeah, sort of yeah, demand yeah. met. So there's yes. more. He, he has a, a key. He arms this nuclear device. Dana watches this and then the terrorist walks off and I guess she steals the key. Right. Because it's a right. family of accidental spies. Right. Well, and she's, right? well, she's grungy, spunky teenage daughter. Yeah. So. She's practically she a spy don't already. To nobody. She yeah, is, this... She's rebellious and disrespectful of authority. Yeah. This 14 year old girl who was kidnapped by yep. terrorists and yep. should be super traumatized. Yes. He steals this key. He starts Whose to virginity chase her. and abortion <laughs> status yeah. is in question. Yeah. I mean, after your fifth abortion, you can do anything. Right. So, so that's what they don't tell you about abortion. <laughs> superpowers. That's why they don't want anyone to have them. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so sorry. I don't even like this joke myself. <laughs> I feel so dirty. All right. So she climbs up on this giant crane, right? She's out in the middle of the air and then, you know, whatever. Harry comes and saves her. It's interesting Harry at this point. Harry in the Harrier. Um, she's achieved like a, <laughs> especially if it was like a kid's movie, like yeah. um, Thomas the Train. Right. But it was like a Harry Harry. The Harrier. Harry. Harry the Harrier and jet. I want it to be a mix between that and the one about the bull. Um where he's just peaceful, even though everyone thinks he should be mean. So he's Harry, yeah, yeah. the Harrier jet, but actually he just wants to like smell flowers and right. fly through clouds. Built for crushing insurgents, but like really he just wants to chill. Yeah, wants to read French poetry. Yep. <laughs> so uh, Eliza Dushku, she's trying to get away from this terrorist. He's chasing mm -hmm. her to get the key out onto this crane. She starts to slip, blah, 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 blah. blah. Harry saves her in the plane, right? Yep. Like, He's in the Harrier jet, which is apparently one of the ones that can like hover in the air. Because at first I was yeah, like, that's yeah, not how planes work. It's like a vertical work. takeoff and landing and hovering and all the things. <laughs> which every man in my life knows, apparently, because I've been 
told it several times by several yep. sources. And I'm like, all right, I get it. I, this hey, is cool. Hey, I got to mansplain this to you real quick. You, tell me, tell me more about this jet. Like, how does it take off? No, it's vertical takeoff, <laughs> VTOL, vertical takeoff. And then, oh, and guess what? Guess what else? The, uh, in the movie, you know, they, uh, you know, he starts shooting with the guns when it's hovering. But in the real jet, you can't do that because uh, the 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 gun explosion would be intaked by the jet engines and they wouldn't work very well. So that was some creative license <laughs> by the movie. That's good to know. Um, actually, that's not how Harrier jets work at all. <laughs> Thank you. James Cameron. Yeah, that's the problem with this movie. The Harrier jet yeah. was misrepresented. It's the complete lack of Harrier jet accuracy really <laughs> bugs me. Yeah. So Harry film. finds out his daughter's like on the roof. And so he decides the best thing to do would be to open fire on a floor of the building. Because yes. buildings are un unfailable. Yes. This would be much uh, worse famously, after when it comes, when it comes to Yes. Famously, <laughs> when it comes to aircraft, uh, Buildings are just really good at staying up, no matter what. Until the world learned that they're not. Um, So he just goes for broke, saves saves Dana. Um, Oh, the you're fired line. You want to do it? Oh, God, no. No, you do it. (laughs) Okay. At some point, the terrorist jumps from the crane to the Harrier jet after Dana is saved. And he grabs a machine gun that was mystically hooked onto the Harrier jet from some previous scene. And he's trying to shoot people. It doesn't work. He slips. He gets hooked onto a missile or something that's mm-hmm. on the Harrier jet. And then Harry fires the missile and says, you're fired, which is yep. one of the jokes James Cameron did not write. Yep. It is actually yep. a little bit funny. I mean, it's a good one liner, right? It's yeah. like pre pre. The Apprentice. It's a decent one-liner. It's fine. It's yeah. not amazing. It's not like no. the funniest joke or anything, but it's, yeah. it's solid, you know? Our bar yeah. has been significantly Especially, lowered yeah. by yeah. this point. I mean, the film stops, and you have to, like, look into Arnold Schwarzenegger's face. He's got the little glint in the corner of his eye. Mm-hmm. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny be because amused. you're fired in a different context. It means a different thing. Yeah. Also, he should be fired. This is horrible. Oh, yeah. Like, um, he gets, he definitely gets fired after this movie, except he yeah. doesn't because there's a whole epilogue. Yeah. Which was totally unnecessary. Yeah. He um, saves the day. He saves his daughter. Saves his daughter. And we like cut to like some time later. Yeah. It's one year later. A year later. They're sitting and eating dinner. Helen answers the phone. It's mm-hmm. somebody. And we got, a, we she got says, another mission. We got a mission to do. Yeah, with Harrier jets. And yeah. uh, Helen says, "We're on to yeah. uh, to Harry." And then they go, and it's clear that they're spies together. Yes. And it's an echo of the first scene. Yes, it's very clearly like calling back to that first scene. Down to poor Una Cabez mm-hmm. <laughs> for a beer. For a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Come back to for a beer. They do a bad tango together. Yeah. Um, so they tango and they make Simon P himself again. Yes. They tango, they up. ignore the mission. For some reason, Simon is mysteriously a waiter, still pretending to be a spy. I guess he lost his yeah. used car job. Right. So now he's a waiter gig and he's tricking 
another fancy woman. ladies, another woman, mm-hmm. fancy mm-hmm. women who go to rich parties that mm-hmm. the, the guy who just served her, her hors d'oeuvres is actually a spy. <laughs> yeah. And Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis gets the chance to hold a gun up to his face and make yeah. him pee himself. And that is true lies. Yep. Ba, ba, da, 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 da. <laughs> what a work of art. Jamie Lee Curtis won a Golden Globe for this movie. Did she really? She did. She earned every fucking second of it. Yeah, just being in this movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. She was amazing uh, in this film. Everything else she, about this film was bad, but Jamie Lee Curtis was genuinely entertaining. Fun to she watch. Was. If it weren't for her being just horribly abused and mistreated the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got racism. We got misogyny. Misogyny. We got, I'm telling you, it's the proto-Michael Bay film. It is. We got women fitting into the slots to which they are assigned. Mm-hmm. And Casual. punished horror, horribly for stepping oh. out of those slots. Yes. Casual domestic violence. It, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Casual domestic violence. Yeah. And at the end... Psychological we're, torture. We're, we're supposed to believe that everything is fine. Right. Everything's fine. They're both spies oh. at the end, so clearly it's fine. Oh my god, they're not eating dinner in the last scene. I just remembered what they're doing. They're playing Thumb War. Oh, right. Do you Why remember are they doing this? That? Because that is what James Cameron thinks happy families do right. around no, the like, dinner why? table. So they have their 15-year-old punk rock daughter, <sighs> and they're sitting around the kitchen, like the dining room table, playing Thumb War. Right. What? 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 And then Schwarzenegger, Cameron. who looks like he's never done that in his life. <laughs> he looks like a thumb. So, you know. <laughs> right. No, well, he's done like six months of thumb war training, or six <laughs> months of tango training, but he didn't bother to do like a little bit of thumb war training. He looks like he's, this is like a, like, and for all I know, like thumb war, maybe that's like a really American thing. I don't know. But like Schwarzenegger has been here long enough. Mm hmm. You think he would have encountered a thumb war from time to time? Also, doesn't anyone who worked on this movie have teenage children? She went from being like a thief and a motorcycle rider to sitting at home and playing thumb war with her parents. Right. There's no addressing of of that character or anything. In fact, like, because you're supposed to forget she exists until the plot needs her. Yeah. She just needs to be another thing he possesses that gets stolen. Yeah. Like, once Helen actually kind of becomes, I won't say an equal, because she's still only in service to him, right? Yeah. Like, she's still, she isn't a spy by herself, right? Yeah. They yeah, send them out as a pair. Mm-hmm. He didn't decide to go work for whatever boring firm she does. She decided no. to work and do what his day job was. Right. Um, and now he needs another thing to be stolen, I guess. So that he can prove that he's a family man. I don't know. Gotta yeah. do thumb war. Yep. Gotta do the thumb war. Okay. Like, One, two, three, four. Have you ever in your life sat around and played thumb war with your parents? I cannot ever even. I mean, maybe. Maybe? Like when you're like really was, young and you first yeah, learn what like thumb war is. Once. I've, and you have you little know. thumbs. I'm sure I can, thumb warred with my toddler couple times i can guarantee you i did not do it as a 15 year old so yeah no definitely not yeah so that is true lies that is all the reasons you should not like this film and a lot of people really do they really do and and here's the hard part i have with this is like was this movie entertaining 
And like, kind of, mm-hmm. right? Like, because clearly I watched it and I'm having a great time talking about how awful it was with you, but it was not entertaining for the reasons it was supposed to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a bad movie. So, like, can I recommend it? No, not really. <laughs> Unless you want to get real angry. Yeah. So, I feel like it's the perfect example of a nostalgic film that does not hold up at all. Because if right. you were young and you don't have the social context or the ability to introspect and pick these things apart, and you're just experiencing the film without questioning it, the film score, the lighting, the editing all take you on a different journey yep. than reality, right? Yeah. Like you were made to see this as a romantic comedy. You were made to think this is a marriage that was falling apart. It is saved by mm-hmm. a man who goes to great lengths. To get his wife and to figure out if she loves him still and then save her life with a helicopter and there's some terrorists or whatever. Romantic comedy without any jokes or any romance. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot in the scene where he. Oh, God, the scene is so terrible where he makes her lay on the bed and her eyes are closed and Mm -hmm. he gets on top of her. He has a rose that he like traces down her skin. Oh, yeah. 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 Her eyes are closed. He's like tracing a rose down her skin like it's a really sexy, romantic thing. Something he's right. never done just as a husband. Right. Like, what? what? <laughs> and she thinks it's a fucking arms dealer. She doesn't know. <laughs> ah! It's the worst. Romance, Kate. Romance. Romance. Yeah. I, yeah. Hmm. So I like, I want to find some good reviews to read out just to. When I first saw this movie, I was so angry that I had to go and read reviews to see if other people were as angry about it as I was. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. They were not. No, like there, are, a, there are a couple of people who definitely see this film for what it is, but most mm-hmm. people do not. No. Um, it has a 71 on Rotten Tomatoes, which yeah. is not a bad score for a shitty action movie. It really isn't. It's bizarre. Like. I think the top one of the top reviews, like guy says that um, Schwarzenegger's good guy tenacity is <laughs> is like a perfect balance with Curtis, I guess, and her horishness. We get <laughs> we 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 sympathize with her. The slut is that what he said? No, is that an actual reviewers? No, no. The the full review, the actual review. Some guy is actually from 2019, fairly recently. Some guy with the Hollywood Reporter, mm. uh, Dwayne Burge. Mm. Schwarzenegger's comic confidence and good guy tenacity are a perfect balance, while Curtis wins our sympathy as his repressed wife, showing some deadpan drollery of her own. Like that's not what I got from this movie. No, he's I not good. I like the, the only good, I, he's not a good guy. No. What I what I did say was he was very polite. To the He's horse. the polite spy from, from the horse motorcycle scene. Yes, to the horse. Where he, yes, where he, excuse me, sorry. Yeah. Just let me fit in there, top floor, please. Thank you. you know. <laughs> don't mind my horse's butt. Yeah, don't mind the, the horse shit everywhere. Um, here's one. Ah, remember the 90s when movies were actually good? Someone says in response to this movie. Another oh, one. Over the top? Sure. Outlandish story and stunts? Absolutely. Great escapism? Totally. Don't see this if you have no imagination or have no sense of humor. 
okay. I just there's no humor in this film though. No, like this um, this film isn't f- like like a joke has a setup and a punchline, <laughs> and this is just not that. Yeah, no. I don't see it now, but when I was first looking at reviews, someone called this James Cameron's best film. Wow. Yeah, and I'm like, this is after he made Term. Like, this is better than yeah. Aliens. Who are you? T two. Fucking Titanic. And I'm Which like, gets a lot who? of hate, but like, there's there's some there's some redeeming quality. We should probably cover Titanic at some point. We should. I think there's a um, lot there. I just, I guess I get it if you. No, <laughs> I'm having such a hard time, Matt. Because <laughs> here's the thing: like James Cameron is a comp- like up to this point and even after this point, he's a very competent filmmaker who tells a good story. He knows how to make a movie. He knows how to make a film. Yeah. He he knows how to have good characters. But he's never met a woman. But I just not. Yeah, I'm not getting anything of that. There's 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 a, there's a severe lack of competence at dis- of in display in this film. Right. This is a fun review. This is the type of person who likes this movie. If you don't like this movie, no offense, but fuck you. Yeah. No, I that's mean, what like, we're that's, dealing this with. Is, this is boomer humor. The movie. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the main audience for this film are like fat white dudes with goatees and Oof. like. Guys who just want to, who just want to grill. <laughs> guys who hate their wives. Yeah, guys who hate their wives, like wife bad, kids bad, kids bad, women bad, women bad, sex good. But not if you actually have to talk to the woman. It's easy. it's better if you just yeah. uh, manipulate no, it's, her it's, into. It's, it's this movie's so boomer it hurts. Oh my gosh, this is perfect. This is a perfect review to read for something that you were talking about. Are we sure Michael Bay didn't direct this one? It really feels like something he would have done in just about every way. Ultimately, this is a pretty fun movie. Blah, 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 blah. But anyway, someone else is saying it's a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. And yeah, actually, it, does, it like, does feel like that. That's really great. The whole time I was watching this movie, I was thinking like, this is a Michael Bay film. Like, yeah. And then I had to look it up. I was like, okay, when did Michael Bay start making films? And this was 1995, it was the very next year. So. Wow. Like there was just something, there's something going on in the Hollywood studio system. Like this is the kind of film they were looking to make. I just, yep. <laughs> okay. So that's true lies. Um, that's true lies. You should only see it. If you want to be angry, we recommend being under the influence of some mind altering substance, alcohol yep. or uh, anything that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, you, if you're going to watch this movie. You know, get yourself a bottle of some, 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 something nice, some good whiskey. Something special. Make it a day. Something special, you know, maybe our um, unofficial sponsored whiskey, which, you know, one day we'll have that. We'll have a sponsored whiskey, I'm sure. Yes. We'll have to pick um, one. And, and hang out with your buds and laugh at this terrible, terrible, yes. terrible movie. Also, I ask humbly. That you try to view this movie from Jamie Lee Curtis's perspective as often as possible. Yes. Because they want us to see it from Arnold Schwarzenegger's perspective. Right. And to be, to put yourself into that, that vision makes you a psychopath. So please 
don't be a psychopath. Yeah. Um, if this movie was going to get remade mm-hmm. in 2021, I think it's a, it's a good, it's ripe for a remake from someone other than James Cameron, from someone who, who is willing to take a more sympathetic look at Helen's character mm-hmm. um, and just retool the whole damn thing. Yeah. Um, how would that movie go? I think, I, I, I think, you know, you, you stick with, you tell the movie from Helen's point of view. If you're going to keep, um, if you're going to keep Harry Tasker as the secret agent and Helen as the housewife, which I think it would be even more, another interesting way to look at it would make Helen the secret agent and Harry mm-hmm. like house husband. That would be, you know, that would be a different, fine. yeah. But, you know, you tell a story and, and then you turn the movie into a cat and mouse chase between, um, Helen and Harry, Helen trying mm-hmm. to find Harry's secret mm-hmm. and Harry trying to hide it in like mm-hmm. cute ways, not, right. not like creepy abusive ways mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like just like cute like oh you get you gotta hide the the secret agent thing because she's gonna find it so you stick it somewhere goofy like oh uh, what am i gonna do with it i'll put it in my mouth yeah or oh, yeah, honey i'm doing really good you know like <laughs> stuff like that it's just really hide cute. it in the popsicle box yeah and, th- and then you have you, then you have the spy life and the home life collide in the third act for some bombastic fun stuff and mm-hmm. you give the Helen character more agency and able to, to do more things. And like, she's competent on her own. She may be, she may be just like, she may have a boring job, but she like, she works full time and she's a mother and mm-hmm. she's a badass and mm-hmm. she takes care of her husband. She has all this, like, she's got her shit together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then which which would then work in the third act when all the worlds collide and, and, you, and you, you can do the whole like. It's like, oh, you think you're half shit? Have you fucked with this lady right here who does all the things? Mm-hmm. The other thing, the only the other thing I would change about this movie is is the title, which makes no sense. Yeah. Like, I, we haven't even gotten into that. Why is this film called True Lies? Which of the lies are true? Yeah. Are there true lies? <laughs> are there true lies? Are there lies that are true? Are there, are there truths that are lies? I don't know why it's called True Lies. Maybe it's called True Lies because she thinks that she is interested in a person that's a spy who's lying. Right. And but she's, she's already with a person who is a spy. That's yeah, a stretch, but I allow it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. It's short <laughs> no, it's and nice. they could make it in a cool font on a movie yep. cover. Right. So. So. Salty. So salty. I'm pretty salty. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty salty that you made me watch this movie. (laughs) So let's see, what is our salt rating for this movie? What is the saltiest type of salt? This is like Dead Sea salt level salt. Yeah, this is this is pretty Dead Sea salt, like Dead Sea salt scrolls. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think about how you would even consume this much salt. You drown in the Dead Sea, which is really hard to do. Because there's so much salt in the water that you're very buoyant. But it happens. Yeah. Maybe you're floating face first. Yeah. This is definitely like Dead Sea on popcorn salty. <laughs> yep. Well, so that's the bad media that you made me watch. Yep. This week. Read, read any good books lately? You know, I definitely don't get enough time to read as I want. But right now I'm reading the second book in the Broken Earth trilogy. I think it's called, oh God, the Obsidian Stone. Mm. It's by N.K. Jemison. It's very good. I highly recommend the series. What about you? What are you reading? 
You know, oddly enough, I am also reading uh, N.K. Jemisin. What? Yeah, I'm actually reading. Um, I'm reading the her first trilogy, the Inheritance trilogy, right now. Oh. Um, and it's like it was her first trilogy to get published. Her first novel um, was uh, the Hundred Thousand Kingdoms. Ooh. And uh, it was, it's definitely her early work. Like the first book starts off kind of like bog standard fantasy, though it does not take long for Jemison's voice to like establish itself. Um, and by the second book, Jemison has gone full force and, and kind of leaned into um, her work or like her, her voice um, that she will become known for with like Broken Earth and her other work. So, I mean, it, it's a great book. Highly recommend it. It has an interesting way of t- tying divine like the divine and sexual and physical intimacy Mm. which is a really interesting way to relate to that like kind of uh godly thing it's got gods are very much gods they're gods being gods they're kind of alien um like their their motivations don't always make sense to mortals and it's very like like you know kind of greco-roman like they're very they're fallible Mm -hmm emotional all powerful beings they're just humans plus right it's 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 a very interesting story i highly recommend that and i also just in general recommend anything by jemison i don't think i've yeah. been disappointed i feel like i need to read through her entire catalog because i have been sleeping on her i just found her i was judging books by their covers and i was in a bookstore and i don't like to go into bookstores and not buy a book so i picked this up and i said oh this looks interesting and then I find out she's won three Hugo Awards, all for the series I just happened to pick up. Yeah. And she's amazing. So if you've not read her, go pick it up. She's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Highly recommend. Like, her voice is so powerful and so unique. It is. Um, there's really not another voice like hers in sci-fi right now. Yeah. Very um, empathetic. And all of the writing that she does is imbued with meaning and cultural context. And it's just really beautiful. Yeah. Very human. Very, very human. human. It's very good. Yeah. Well, awesome. I had such a nice time chatting with you, Matt. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, too. This recording is longer than the movie we covered. It is. And quite a bit. that was necessary. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's because in the movie, they're like, whatever, we're just going to splice this stuff together one second apart from each other. When the mm. end of the movie should be 50 years after the beginning of the movie at least so yeah all right i think that will do it for this week here on medium salt if you liked it make sure to check us out at mediumsalt.com wherever you find your favorite podcasts Uh, we're on twitter at medium underscore salt um you know check us out subscribe rate tell your friends really appreciate it everything helps the podcast and have a great week and as always stay salty (laughs) 